0: And welcome to the seventh episode of Slime Time, the official Dragon's Quest, Dragon's Den podcast. This is one of your hosts, Platy M3.
1: And this is Liam Land. Uh, Tonight's guest is a regular on the Dragon's Den forums and a close friend of ours from our DQ chat that we've been running over the past few years.
0: Yes, joining us tonight is Zachary, which you might know him, a.k.a. as Yangus the
2: Legendary Bandit. Hello, everybody. I'm glad to be here.
1: Thanks for joining us. Uh, it seems appropriate to have Yangus on for a discussion about Dragon Quest 7.
2: Uh, really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but wouldn't
0: Dragon Quest 8 be more appropriate here?
1: Okay, well, Dragon Quest 8 minus one. Yeah, we'll get rid of the math and uh,
0: just start moving on, get to know uh, Yangus a little bit better. Hey there,
1: Yangus. Um get rid of the math, said the math teacher. Forget, forget yeah. Hey, I don't
0: teach math this year. Oh, no, this
1: Woo. is true. That's where right. you go.
0: It's all robotics. Forget it. You know, numbers, right. they don't mean anything.
2: Hey, no, no, <laughs> there's, building. no math. there's no math in robotics. There's no no building robotics. any killing machines or anything. We we don't um, need those running around. Nope.
0: Trust <laughs> me, the way we? my kids are going, there won't be any killing machines running around. <laughs> oh,
1: I hope they're not listeners.
0: No. The, Well, they might have to operate a little bit more technology than uh, those robots to get to this. But uh... (laughs) Hey, kids, how you doing? (laughs) Don't tell your parents you heard me tonight. Don't tell your uh... parents. (laughs) 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 Enough about me. So, uh, Yangus, we'll give you uh, some questions here before we get into the uh, Dragon Quest 8-1 episode. And uh, (laughs) we'll (laughs) start... We might just have to start calling the game that from now on. (laughs) Well, heck, I mean, we all played it as Dragon Warrior 7. So, I mean, we we could be Dragon 7. Oh, God, whatever. Okay, let me just get into this. I have have math and uh, (laughs) too too much reading show notes. (laughs) All
2: right, so, Yangus, how did you first get into
0: Dragon Quest fandom here?
2: Well, that one started way back when I was a kid. Uh, unlike a lot of the people that have been on the debt or on the podcast so far, I actually got my start with the Game Boy Color games. Uh, specifically, I got started with uh, Dragon Warrior One, which is uh, the one that stars Terry from Dragon Quest Six. So what happened was uh, I have got gotten...
1: monsters, right?
2: What did I say? Uh, I used Dragon Warrior One. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, Dragon Warrior Monsters 1. I It's been so long since i played, I don't even remember the right name, I guess. But, <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> but um, yes, it was Dragon Warrior Monsters 1, the one that stars Terry from Dragon Quest 6, which yep. yeah, none of us probably... Well, I didn't know about that as a kid. I know you guys have said you've played the band translations for 6. Yeah, um,
1: Yeah, I had played 6 before before Monsters.
2: Okay, so what happened was when I was a kid, I got a Game Boy Color for... I think it was my birthday or for Christmas or something from one of my relatives, and I had a Looney Tunes game for it. I don't remember what it was called. I just remember it had like Sylvester and Tweety Bird in it, and I could never really get past one of the first levels. So, you know, I said to my parents, "Hey, I don't really like this game." So, I think it must have been around Christmas time. They got rid of the game and they were like, "Okay, well, let you pick out a game for it." And I don't remember where what store this was at or how this happened but younger me must have seen dragon warrior monsters one on the shelf and was like that's the one i need that game and so that's how i just by sheer chance that's how i ended up getting into the uh, dragon quest series at a young age i wasn't really that great at the game and I've, i've mentioned this a few times on the den i had really i had never played an rpg before so playing that one was just a total foreign concept i didn't realize you had to save as frequently as you did and I really didn't know how to save. So I ended up just repeating the, like, the first five or six portals of the game, just constantly thinking, okay, it's a game I have to get through really fast. <laughs> so, so I just ended up mashing the A button a lot, and just because I kind of knew, I, I, you know, it's been so long, I don't really remember if I read where I had to go, but I just kind of was like, okay, so it's like Mario 64, which was one of the first games I played, where I just had to kind of go here and there, and Wherever there's a spot open, that's where I can go into. And I never learned how to save it until uh, I talked to some other older kids. Because around when I was growing up, that's when Pokemon had got it started. And,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: you know, that was real popular. So a lot of kids were playing that one at my age. And luckily, a lot of them were able to tell me, like, oh, well, you know, with this game, maybe if you go into here and you go into the options, you'll find how to save it. By that magical conversation, I finally was able to make more progress in the game. (laughs) Nice. Did you beat it all the way back then? You know, it's still one of the ones I ha- need to go back and finish. Be- and what happened was, kind of like how I was saying, like I kind of rushed through it. I didn't use the breeding system that much when I was a kid in that game. So yeah. I eventually got to, I don't remember the name of the portal, but it's the one where the boss at the end is, um, I don't remember what the, I think it's called Hackasaurus now, is the translation. Um, but back then it was called Battle Rex, and it was like this giant mm-hmm. T-Rex looking thing that's carrying like a dual-sided axe. It was yeah. supposed to be a, a reference to Dragon Quest VI. It's like Lizzie, the one that you defeat in that game. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's the one that, that shows up with Terry initially yeah. in the story.
2: Yeah, and that's the one that Terry beats. Um, that yeah. was a boss that I was just stuck at forever. And eventually, a Dragon Warrior Monsters 2 came along, and I ended up getting both versions of that for Christmas one year. I got the official strategy guide that has all the artwork and all the breeding patterns and everything you can do in that game, which... that. That's definitely one of my most loved gaming magazines too, because that binding on that thing is just so taped up. Oh, <laughs> it's it seen a lot of love over the years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, that was one I did beat. That one, like I, I think what it was, I played Terry or Terra's Adventure, which was one of the two versions of that game, and I played that one the most. No real particular reason. I think that was just the one I started on, and I ended up beating that one. I think I got over a hundred hours on that game. And eventually I went back and played through uh, Kobe's uh, Journey, which is the other version. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I ended up beating uh, Dragon Warrior Monsters 2 before I ended up beating the first one. Or even finishing the first one, I should say. And that I would say it was more so Dragon Warrior Monsters 2 that really got me into being a Dragon Quest fan as a whole. Because I loved the monsters. The music just has, even to this day, a lot of that music has stuck with me. And I haven't heard that soundtrack in forever. Hmm. And even, like, years later, I didn't play any of the the main series games when I was a kid on the Game Boy Color, just because I wanted to play as the Monsters. That's what I liked the two Monsters games for. So I never played the Game Boy, the other Game Boy Color games, which were, like, Dragon Warrior 1, 2, and 3. Mm
1: -hmm. So
2: it was a long time before I got into the main series. I think it was, like, 2010. And I finally found out that like Dragon Quest and Dragon Warrior were the same thing. It's like, oh, shoot, I've been missing all these games. (laughs) So I ended up going back and I think it was actually when Nintendo did their Nintendo Direct in 2010 or their E3 presentation. I mean, where they showed off like Dragon Quest 9 was coming and they were showing all these monsters and stuff. And I'm like, you know, a lot of those look really familiar to me. (laughs) I can't place my finger on it. Well, then I looked up and I'm like, oh, shoot, it's the same series. (laughs) So, Uh... So I ended up. Like getting dra- a used copy of Dragon Warrior three, I got a used copy of Dragon Quest four for the DS, and that was it. it started like a two year uh, marathon of playing like all the Dragon Quest and Dragon Warrior games I could. Nice, yeah. Nice. It's it for it not being a series I hadn't played for like oh goodness, it must have been. I don't remember when Dragon Warrior Monsters two came out, but that being like almost 10 years of not playing a game from that series, it was still one that stuck with me when I finally found out about the name difference thing. It's like, oh my goodness, you know, it, and I, as soon as I started playing the uh, Game Boy Color games and the DS games and everything, it just all clicked again. It, it felt like I was just right back to what I was enjoying when I was a kid.
1: Yeah, that, that definitely rings true uh, for, for us as well. I know there was, there was a hiatus in my uh, Dragon Quest playing and Platy yours as well, right? Yeah. where where we just got back into it just like based on a combination of emulation and news that Dragon Warrior that the game we're about to discuss Dragon Warrior 7 was going to be coming out
0: yeah um, yeah, early 90s to early 2000s I mean there was at least like an eight-year gap there that I didn't play yep. no. yeah I mean I here. got but, a but... the color ones well after they came out
1: but the memory and the nostalgia was always there, and it just kind of needed to be rekindled. And that's mm-hmm. for both of us. I think emulation helped to rekindle that while we waited for Dragon Warrior right. Seven. So, well, you know, I
2: really wish the too, that like when I had been a kid. I think I might have find the other Game Boy Color games like difficult, or like if I did have a PS One and I got Dragon Warrior Seven, I might have find that a little tougher too, just because it was. I mean, it's the same sort of gameplay, but, you know, it's you have to input all your commands for all your characters versus monsters where you just, like, you give them tactics or you just tell them to go and they'll do their thing.
1: Yeah. Did but, you play uh, Super Light at all? Because a, a lot of the same music and, and kind of game mechanics are, are similar uh, in, the, in that particular game.
2: It's, Super Superlight's the one that was um, on oh. mobile for a little while, right? Like, you guys had to, like, register with, like, what was it, like, South Korea or something like that? No, I play? think, wasn't it, uh... Southeast Asia. Yeah, Southeast Asia. Southeast Asia. Okay. Yep. No, I didn't play that one. But, you know, for the longest time, too, after I got done with Dragon Warrior Monsters 2, I'm like, well, man, I wonder why there's not, like, another game of this, of, like, from this <laughs> series that's come along, because, because, again, like, not really knowing about the Dragon Quest, Dragon Warrior thing, I didn't realize that, like, Dragon Quest Monsters Joker was supposed to be, like, a continuation here in the West or anything like that, so... I mean, for the longest time, I just kind of sat around twiddling my thumbs, and finally, when I saw Dragon Quest that, Nine, it's that's like, oh, what we shit. all did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I didn't even know about the Dark Age. I went it was, through it with you guys, but I didn't even know it was actually happening.
1: <laughs> about eight years of thumb twiddling. Yeah, <laughs> until uh, until Seven came out. So, uh, so what? What is your favorite game in the series?
2: Uh, let me see. You know, I'm kind of like Dwayne when he was on where. It's a little hard for me to pinpoint my exact favorite, and I've always just been kind of like that, where it's hard for me to just to pick, like, one favorite or something. But if I had to pick, like, if you if you made me pick from, the, like, the main series games, just in no particular order, it'd probably be, like, 7, 4, 11, and 3. And then, like, for a fifth one, it would probably either go to, like, Dragon Quest eight or Dragon Quest V, just kind of depending on my mood. I, I've enjoyed all the main series games and most of the spin-offs that I played mm-hmm. but it's it's hard for me to pinpoint exactly what I would call my favorite but if I had to like absolutely pick from like a like a choice of four it would definitely be seven eleven four and three because those are the ones that have left a really big impact on me mm-hmm. for sure uh spin-off wise if I can mention those real quick um yeah. I well monsters two for the game boy Color, that was One that really got me into the series, one that I was a big fan of playing. Like I said, I just loved looking at all that monster artwork in the book, trying to figure out how to breed the right monsters. It was one that, like, even today I'm like, oh, you know, I wonder if I should go back and try and get, like, some of these mystery family monsters, which were all, like, the demon lords and all that stuff from the series. Uh, But another one that I've really liked for spinoff, and I get why we didn't get it over here in the West, but it was still one that's like, oh, it'd be so cool if we did it was that Theatrhythm Dragon Quest game, which is like those Final Fantasy ones, where you have to like tap the screen or use the buttons to play and beat with the music. Because I think of all my imported Dragon Quest games, that one is one I probably spent the most time on. It's it's actually really easy to get into it and play too. It's if you don't know Japanese, and I I can't read a lick of it or understand it all uh you can still get into that game and play it totally fine
1: right nice. i said i i found that for slime mori mori one that yeah, i was still able to play it. Yeah. yeah still able to play it through in japanese without having a sense you know you, you get a sense of like the action that's happening but you don't you don't necessarily get a sense of the dialogue and that's still fine it's still a fun game to play
2: yeah that's good to know though That's good to know about that one. And I kind of like, too, that with some of those Dragon Quest games that we haven't gotten yet, even though there are a few fan translations, if you don't play them, like, you can still kind of work your way through them. Like, I played a little bit of Terry's Wonderland, the 3DS remake, and I didn't play with the English translation or the fan translation like uh, Matt has. Mm-hmm. But I was still able to get through it uh, fairly well. I haven't beaten it, but I, I was able to at least like kind of figure it. Because I remember like, okay, so this is like where you have to go. I rem- somehow remembered that from years ago when playing the Game Boy Color one. <laughs> oh no, I, I felt that too. When I
0: played through it uh, a year ago last spring, I was like, man, this is really... Oh, I, I remember where this was. Yeah. Even though it looked completely different, it was still like, oh, there's that one teleportal
2: <laughs> behind, under this tree log and... Mm-hmm. the bizarre area blah blah blah. yeah you're yeah, definitely playing through it too it looked like how i would imagine it looked like in 3d like and just from like playing on that little game boy color screen it's like oh man this would be like you know you get that vision in your head what it would look like and that the 3ds remake of that one and from what i've seen of the remake of dragon uh, quest monsters 2 on the 3ds it looks really it looks just like i would imagine it would have have uh, would have as a kid like in my head
3: Oh, God. I,
0: i'm hoping one day that one i still follow the fan translation for that one mm-hmm. and the, the translation's done they've announced that they're oh, really it's done <laughs> oh it's it's translated but they encountered a coding error like oh, no. a year ago last a year ago september and the one guy's like listen you know we've got a bug that we don't know if we can do it and you know also life's taking us in different directions so i don't know we may we may come back to this we may not and it's like oh i know oh. i i don't know if it's it was heartbeat
1: that. all over again
0: yeah i don't know if it was liam when you and i were actually talking to the uh, um translators of mori mori 3 if it was during the episode or when we were chatting with them afterwards and one of them mentioned like yeah we somebody reached out to them but yeah nobody's they're not really getting back with anybody whoever oh, did hope,
2: it oh i hope that becomes a reality and it happens because i don't really do a lot of like rom or fan translation stuff anymore but if fan translation comes out for that i will do whatever it takes to play it i totally will (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: so do you have a a favorite character in the series Uh, i mean maybe besides the obvious yeah
2: i do have a favorite and you know it was really hard to debate like what i was gonna name my profile after when i first joined the den and i figured i needed to pick something that was gonna make me more likable but if i would have gone with my first choice it would have been prince charmel's I mean, he's <laughs> just, he's just such a lovable it's character. I mean, it's... he's just so huggable and such a charming character. I mean, his name... Charm is in his name.
1: Yeah. I, can I, thought, it, I, I thought it was... I thought it everybody. was charmless. I thought that was a pun, like Prince Charmless. It's
2: Chamley. It's Chamley. Uh, it's <laughs> faint! It's right. French-style. Of course. <laughs> but, uh, no. No, Charmless is... <laughs> I, I ironically liked Charmless. I'll be honest. He's funny. But, I mean like you saying like with my profile name it should be fairly obvious who my favorite character is from the series. It's definitely Angus. yeah when I first played Dragon Quest 8 it was I had played through most of the other ones by that point. Eight was one of the last ones from the main series that I needed to play and uh, before 7 and you know, way before 11 was even announced. And when I got around to 8, I started up the game and I was like, "Well, this is kind of different. You have a starting character and he looks you know, fairly unique compared to a lot of other Dragon Quest and Toriyama designs. And when you get to traveling with him and you just see how faithful of a, a character that he is to the hero and how faithful of a friend he is, the backstory between him, that funny accent and the yeah. funny dialogue he has... And he's just such a quotable character, too. Oh, yeah, definitely. He, he has and, and so many great ones.
1: Perfectly voiced by Ricky Grover, yes, who absolutely. is a, a British I'm stand-up so comedian.
2: He, I'm so glad that he came back for Heroes 1. Because when they said yeah. Yangus was going to be it, I'm like, oh, is he, is, is Ricky going to come back? Yeah, oh, yeah. And he was. I was so excited about that.
1: I want to I, I have him on the podcast someday, but I don't want him to be like, what's Dragon Quest? You know? <laughs> I really,
2: oh that, uh, yeah that thing i did that one that one or, yeah. one or twice <laughs> uh, but yeah Yangus there's just a lot that i love about the character and i know a lot of other people love him too because i think he's just kind of a relatable character for some people you know sometimes like his backstory where he's talking about how he gets kind of treated funny and he wasn't really able really to fit in you know yeah. you just kind of you know people can relate to that they just want to try and find a group that they can fit into or someone that's not going to Know, look at him like that, or they're just yeah. gonna treat him as a person, which is kind of why I like him because even though the hero, you know, is just a silent, you know, silent protagonist like they always are, you still really feel like there's that kinship between the two of them, even though there's, you know, the difference in age and background and all that stuff. So, there's a lot about Yangus that I really like, and like combat wise, too, he's one of my favorite characters to play as in that game. He is just so powerful, and he gets so good with later on when you can give him like the tremble attention. And the sage of stone and everything. He can just fill all sorts of roles.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's essential as well in heroes with the hatchet man. Oh
2: yeah, he did and, not uh, leave my party at Twitter. all. He, yeah. he did not leave my party once once he joined the game. It's like yeah, yeah. you're 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 my number two again. <laughs> yeah. Um, other than him though, one of my other favorite characters from the series would definitely be Rab from Dragon Quest 11. <laughs> he was one of those ones. <laughs> he was one of those ones where, like, when we first saw the cinematic trailers and stuff, like, I think it was, like, 2016 when we first saw that, and we got, like, the early glimpse of the playable characters that were going to be in the game. Uh-huh. You know, he shows up alongside Jade, and I'm like, oh, I wonder what his, you know, backstory is. Even, like, what little information they gave, they didn't really say what his background was. Well, then yeah. finally, playing the game on the PS4 version last year, like, I, and I've said this before, his scenes when you get to Dundersil, they really got me. That That is one of the few times with a video game that I have gotten emotional from watching a cutscene. It just, it got me. And yeah. I think it's because with Rab, he reminds me a lot of my own grandpa, and I unfortunately had lost him the year before, or almost a year before Dragon Quest XI came out here in the States. And... I guess when playing 11 for myself, finally, there was a lot about Rab that reminded me of my grandpa. Like, he was able to get along with everybody. He had all sorts of skills and, and, like, a background that you just find out new stuff. And it's like, oh, I didn't know that about him, even though you'd known him for years. So there was a bit of a personal reason why Rab sort of connected with me. And, like, in-game-wise, I really like his move set. I think he has some really funny dialogue. I like his exchanges with the party and everything.
1: And the magazine they- stuff.
2: Oh yes, that well, that's hilarious. <laughs> Every time that happens, there's a great cutscene. I won't spoil it, but there's a great cutscene in Act Two of Dragon Quest XI where you just when before you reunite with Rab that you have this hilarious cutscene with him. I won't spoil it, but. Let's just say it does involve the magazine, like you said. <laughs> yeah, I mean
1: it's not really a spoiler, but like yeah, there's a well, just the a recurring at- gag with yeah. where like a, he drops a magazine, and it's like adult, it's some yep. some sort of adult magazine, and everyone just stares at it, and he's like embarrassed.
2: Yeah. <laughs> It's just more so the character in Act 2 who it happens with, who I won't say who. Yeah, but yeah. Right, right, But yes, there's definitely that scene too where he drops the magazine. And everyone's like, oh, you dirty old man.
0: Yeah, right. So,
2: so Rab does have a lot of stuff to him, like kind of like Yangus, where I feel like you know I can just sort of relate to him a little personally with just some of my own experiences and just how he is in the game. Because yeah, I think Rab is a really good sort of balanced character because so, he can do a little bit of combat with the claws. He can do magic pretty well. He can boost his magic and like damage output and everything. Uh-huh. So those two are like the first two that would come to mind for me. And then yeah. there's there's others, but those are but Yangus and Rab, those are the, the big two that I can think of. Nice.
0: As opposed to those two. Any that uh
2: have never really rung through with you? Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> the, the only one I'll be honest, the only character from a Dragon Quest game that I do not like whatsoever is Ashleen from Dragon Quest Six. Oh Just, really? I, Oh, I hate Ashlyn so wow. much. Wow, <laughs> I hate her so much. I'll be oh so. What, what specifically?
1: Game, what specifically about oh, Ashlyn? Man.
2: Well, for one, I think it's weird that there's a volcano coming out of the top of her head with that hairstyle that she has. <laughs> for, for one, I think that's a little bit of an odd design choice from Toriyama. Right. But um, mainly, I just find her that. My whole thing with characters, I look at them from like you know how they speak to you with the party chat, and then how they are in combat. She might be really good as a mage character, but the thing is, she is squishy as all get out. She has the worst yeah. HP and defense of any mage type character I've seen from a Dragon Quest game, and that, yeah. as someone who from playing other RPGs and ones where you gotta like strategize and things like that, going and playing six and then having her in the party, she is just such a dead weight because she she dies worse than Kanok does. I will argue that. Oh, wow. To my okay. dying day that she all is right. more uh, that she is more of a coffin confiner wow. compared to compared to But K-Nock. you could you can at least seed her. I mean I, I suppose but you could also take what you just said very dearly. <laughs> 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 but but um, this, is what I, this is this is <laughs> this
1: this this type of banter. This this goes on all the time in our chat. Where, like, we, we've we actually, uh, with with Wootus as well, we've had this chat going uh, for probably about two or three years now uh, with myself, Platy, Zachary, and, and Woodus, And it's just, like, that type of thing where I will say something completely innocent, not meaning anything, and then I'll get a that's-what-she-said type <laughs> <laughs> reference. And you're like, yeah, I don't know why I said that
2: without thinking of the consequences. <laughs> but, Ashley just... Just to get a little more serious with that, she's just not a character that I've really been a fan of. I don't like that in the in the DS remake. She speaks with like a uh, a valley girl kind of accent where oh, she, uh, no. where she says like and all that. Or she kind of oh. I imagine that she kind of talks like this. Sort yeah. Of sort of voice. So
1: my experience and... with her is with is as Barbara from or the original Dragon Quest Six. So yeah. I don't know. The localization yeah because i i haven't fully played through the ds or mobile mm. remake of six um so yeah. that that definitely would annoy me like the the, the localization because I, I i wasn't a fan of when they did that with four mm. with like adding the accents in and everything
2: yeah so she was just not a character that really clicked with me at first and like in combat like i said she's just too squishy for me to someone to feel reliable to use. So like, and even the game kind of alludes to that too, when it switches Nevin into your party on purpose, uh-huh. before you have to go fight, uh, uh Mudu or Murga, as it's called in the newer translation. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, really at that point, she just kind of becomes, uh, just, she just fills the wagon most of the time. Gotcha. I do train her up with, um, what is it? The priest or the cleric class, whatever it's called in the newer translation. So she can be, sort of a backup healer if I need it. Otherwise, she's just in there just for, like, the style contest stuff. And yeah. the thing is, too, that drives me nuts, you can't drop her from the party whatsoever. Once she's with you, you're stuck with her. You can't get her out of the wagon. You can't drop her off at Patty's uh, party planning place. Yeah, Because the game's like, oh, no, she always has stuff to do. Yeah. And even if you, like, get to the end of the game and beat the game and everything, you're still just stuck with her being there. So
1: You, you can put her in the wagon, though. And what I used to do is, like, yeah, start off a boss like, battle. Yeah, but you can't, remove her entirely. Yeah, but to start off a boss battle, just put her in Sage mode and then just magic burst or medante like yeah. at the very beginning of the battle and then just swap her in. So you start off with like this you know big chunk of the boss's HP done. That's
2: what that's what I did when I um like fought the final like when I got to the last form of uh more to more, death more whatever everyone fell yeah. the final boss, yeah. and then like with Nocturnus, I just had her jump in do that and then i just got her out of there yeah yeah but Powerful she's just star. not a character that i just don't really find her that likable I'll, I'll be just, honest and there's I, just a lot of things that combine that i just am not a fan of the character but she's the only dragon quest character that i can think of where i just genuinely don't like anything about her and even like what the infamous character from dragon quest eight minus one that we're going to talk about sure i'm soon soon enough <laughs> she is she even has more redeeming qualities than ashleen does so uh, yeah. that's pretty sad
1: <laughs> well i i'd like to think that that part of that has to do with the localization i don't know if in the original six she would have been as annoying but uh yeah, that's just the take that i got like i i having played the the original pretty much exclusively um I I found her interesting in concept that she's, like, literally the hero's dream girl. Um, she's literally, like, part of—she's not—she doesn't have a physical corporeal form. She's, like, just a dream, so I thought that was kind of interesting.
2: But Do you have an opinion on her, Matt, or are you just like, nope, don't care?
1: <laughs> uh, Matt just hates Dragon Quest Six. <laughs>
2: Well, yeah, but he, he, he's just he's not of, Amos. He's, he's, he's not being Amos. real quiet.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's only an Amos fan. That's because he's in the casino somewhere like uh, uh, working on a jackpot.
2: I should have mentioned Amos in the favorite ones. He would have been like, Amos, 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 oh, Amos. Amos. Oh, Amos. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, bottom line, she's just the, like, the only character that I can just genuinely think of that I don't really care for.
1: Sounds good. So what are your favorite game mechanics in a DQ game?
2: Well, Kind of like what I said with my, with the first question, it was the ease of like being able to get back into it with the battle system, and like mm. just kind of being able to just go around and figure. I was able to pick up on that real quick when I played uh, Dragon Quest or sorry Dragon Warrior three on the Game Boy Color, so that was quick and easy to figure that out. But uh, for specific mechanics, I really like with Dragon Quest eleven how they have changed the skill, uh, the skill set thing that they introduced with eight. Where you have, but now instead of it just being like five uh, different ones you can pick from to put points into, now you can see all the skills and all the skill panels that you can choose from. To me, that's a really great addition for battle mechanics. You can kind of plot what you want to do a little bit better. Yeah. And from uh, playing some other series, like one RPG series that I've always been a big that I've been a big fan of for about the same time I got back into Dragon Quest itself, as the Etrian Odyssey series, which Matt and I talk about that one a lot. Yeah. And uh, with that (laughs) one, it's totally built around with your team. Every time you level up, you get skill points that you can then invest into different abilities. So, like, you might have, like, the swordsman class, which is called the Landskinetch where you can either put it into, like, uh, swords or axes. And by putting points into, like, the mastery of that, you then unlock different ones. Like, you can use tornado spin for swords, or you could use, like, multi-chop and stuff like that. And if you like, com- kind of combine skill points like that, you can then unlock other skills. So when going into Dragon Quest XI and seeing that that was how they changed that, even in the Japanese uh, 3DS version when I played that, it's like, oh, this is really cool because they can kind of plot out what you want to aim for, so you can figure that out. Because it was like the first time I played Dragon Quest XI uh, in English, <laughs> um, I ended up going with knives for Eric because I saw that. He could put enemies to sleep, and he could poison them with his knives. But then he could also deal, like, six times the damage. Oh, yeah, that was great early on. I I love doing that. Oh, yeah. Doing that, like, the first time to one of the bosses, I think it was Jargon, or whatever that... Or Jarvis, excuse me. uh, Jarvis that's near Hato. Mm -hmm. That was so satisfying, just doing that big number of damage. It's like, oh, man, you are going to be a great character. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but i really enjoyed how they do that and i hope with future dragon quest games and maybe if they do any future remakes or something that they'll, we'll get to see more stuff like that because i really approve of that one uh, no, otherwise i'm oh, sorry go ahead
0: i was gonna say it's a little it's definitely more of a transparent thing it helps you with the um planning of your party yeah i mean definitely. I, I didn't mind so much eight but i had the guide the day mm-hmm. I bought it. So, I mean, I could always be like, oh, what, what what kind of things do I want to go to? But in game, you couldn't
2: figure that out. And once you yeah. pick it, you couldn't redo it. So it was like, well, good luck. Yeah, with 8, I just mainly, like even the first time I played it, I just focused on one weapon and I just focused on like the unique uh, ability all the characters have. Like Yangus is his humanity. And from that, he learns like heal and like buff mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Uh-huh. So those I, that was mainly how I did it, but I would like with eleven that you can kind of focus on like okay, so you know let's do a little bit of axes, but oh hey, there's this really good ability, or like in great like in great swords you can use a guarding ability, but then if you work a little bit further. You can see, like, oh, there's this really good, like, strong hitting attack that I can eventually get to with enough points. But I also might want to do, like, the stat buff one. So, you know, you have to kind of plan it out, and I kind of like that bit of strategy to it. Um, let me see. Only other thing, real quick, that I'll mention is I really like the draconian settings in Dragon Quest Eleven. Hmm. <laughs> That was something I was really happy to see, because having played the 3DS version, uh, you know, which is only in Japanese, even I thought the game was just a little too easy, and even I couldn't understand the language. Like, enemies just died really fast. So I was glad that they included an option at the beginning of the game, like, hey, if you want to turn on these stronger monsters, you can go ahead and do that, or you can turn it so um, NPCs, like, in the Switch version, they they can just give you complete lies. (laughs) Or you can get completely shy, or you can't can't, can't shop anywhere. I kind of like that they included that as a setting that you can use to as you like go through the game then because it's been interesting playing the switch version because I've been playing with uh, strong monsters uh, reduced experience from easy enemies no shopping which that's been certainly interesting at some points I'll tell you that much yeah. um, and then the townspeople talking tripe which has I've gotten so many screenshots of stuff in game like one I just saw in uh, the temple of Anggra was one of the guys talking about oh one of the new crazes in our in the temple here is to try and uh cook tea in your belly button i just can't seem to get my stomach hot enough though for some reason (laughs) it's just complete nonsense it's hilarious (laughs) so i hope that the draconian settings become a thing for future dragon quest games because i think that they provide a lot more replayability if you like to replay them even if you just like do speed runs it'd give you like a new challenge then
1: now that that's exclusive to the the the, um switch version right That I uh, actually no, brought on uh, no, um, like the NPC's speaking tripe. Is that an oh, EPS yeah, yeah. That's, one
2: of, that's one of the new ones. The uh, Townspeople Talking Tripe and uh, yeah. let's see, the new ones for the Switch version is Townspeople Talking Tripe, uh, Super Shy Pox, which affects us which affects all your party members. Yeah. It doesn't just affect the hero. And then There's the, if the protagonist dies, then the whole party just wipes out and you have to get instant game over. It doesn't even drop you off at your last save point. It just instantly takes you back to the title screen.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
2: it's pretty, it's pretty nasty. I got rid of that setting. I didn't like that one. (laughs) That was, I like a challenge, but after that happened, after doing like an hour of grinding around Dundrasil and I just got really unlucky. It's like, yeah, nope, that's going off. That was the So, uh... That killed um, <laughs> are, That's all right. Are there any games in the franchise you haven't played yet, but uh, would like to? Yeah. Biggest three that I could think of, I mean, the only three that really jumped to mind, uh, was uh, Dragon Quest Heroes 2 uh, for the PS4. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dragon Quest Builders 2, which I need to finish Builders 1 first anyway. So that's... And then the other one that I haven't played, and I'm surprised I didn't play it when I was going through that big Dragon Quest phase uh, back in 2010 or so, Mm-hmm. was was a uh, dragon Quest swords for the Wii that one i oh, still have Wii. not played okay. do you have a Wii yeah i still have my Wii and stuff and i should probably try and find a copy i that's one of the ones i don't own and i don't know why i haven't tried to pick up a copy of it yet i'm sure it's i don't know what the price of it is now but i'd like to try i'd like to try and play it at some point even if i had to like try and figure out how to get my Wii looking good on like my hDTV and stuff i would still want to try and play it just to see you know, what that experience was like. Because I think it was supposed to emulate like an old plug-in and play system for that Japan got. Mm-hmm. That was like sort of a similar thing where like you swung the sword around and it was like Dragon Quest 1, I, I believe it was. Like, it was yeah, to make it better,
1: so. I think it's called like Kenshin Dragon Quest. Yeah. It's like the, the one where it's just a sword, a sword hand, like a uh, plastic sword that you plug into the TV. Um, that's actually still readily available in Japan if you go to like the second hand shops a lot of. Stores still oh, really? have it. Like, right in the box, there's a, uh, if you're visiting Luida's Bar, there's a Don Quixote uh, down the block and across the street that still has it.
2: Oh, nice. But yeah, those are the three that I can think of. I'd really like to get to Builders 2, and when that was coming out, it was like, oh man, I really just want to jump into it. But in the back of my head, I'm like, no, you still need to go back and finish Drake, or Builders 1, because... I really do like Builders, and I don't know why I haven't finished it yet, but I think I just got distracted by other stuff, because I really like how Builders plays. It's so much fun, and I love being able to build that stuff, even though I'm not the best builder. But, you know, it's still just one of those things where it's like, oh, it's really cool to build your own town up and help all these NPCs out. Mm-hmm. So those are about the only three I can think of. Right. Swords is one of the first ones I'd like to get to, though.
0: I just looked on eBay. You're probably... Uh... If eBay's any indication of other places, uh, you're, you're not going to pay over 20 for that. So oh, okay, that's good. <laughs> better than the uh, Dragon Quest, uh, the 3DS ones have have it, had quite a big spike up recently after the uh, Smash announcement this summer uh, and yeah. whatnot. I know those have gone through the roof. All right, so uh, those those are three you're looking forward to. Any that you've played so far that you wish you hadn't or just what a bit that didn't really get, didn't strike a nerve with you, like, eh, whatever. That was Dragon Quest, but whatever.
2: Should we tell Liam to take off his headset because he might not want to hear what my answer is for that one? Oh, don't oh. tell me it's four. No. what? No, that's one of my favorite ones. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just kidding. Sorry. Four was the one I didn't like the whole time. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. um I'm sure this one's pretty obvious. What's coming? But it's Dragon Quest Nine. I just am not a fan of that one. All right, yeah. you know, I, I I
1: understand, I understand that. Did you did you end up? Playing that was a disappointing multi-
2: reaction. I was hoping you're going to be like, well, no. blasphemy,
1: <laughs> blasphemer! Um... <laughs> How dare you! <laughs> um, did you did you get to play the uh, the
2: multiplayer at all? You know, I did, and that just really didn't improve my experience that much. I think what it was around <laughs> the time I I got. To... <laughs> Or way, or now did you, you play? Did you, it. you play with other people? Is what i mean. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. But okay, so I think what it was, and I have thought about this for the past few weeks. Maybe it's just because around that time of the year, but um, I think what happened with Dragon Quest Nine was that around the time I have played it, I had gone through you know Dragon Quest, or Dragon Warrior Three, Dragon Quest Four. I had played Dragon Quest Five. I think Dragon Quest V is what started to burn me out for a little bit, because with that game, I ended up like trying to recruit every monster I could as soon as they became available. So that really dragged out that playthrough. So I think about the time I got to Dragon Quest IX for Christmas that year, I got it as a nice gift from my grandparents. It just... I think I was just a little burnt out and it just didn't really click with me as soon as like some of the other Dragon Quest games had. Mm -hmm. Because like even after I played, tried to play Dragon Quest 9, I ended up going to play Dragon Warrior 1 and 2 on my Game Boy Color. Those ones I just immediately got into. So I don't know what it is. There's just something about 9 I just haven't really been able to click with. I do like stuff from that game. Like I like the music. I really like the symphonic suite for it. And I do think it has some like good mechanics, like being able to play with other people is really like a fun idea. There's just... I don't know. It's just one of those ones, one of those few games where it's just like I don't know. It just doesn't really click with me. I, I hope that it gets a remake at some point with on the Switch, like you guys had mentioned, and like they kind of teased that a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I would like to try and replay it and see maybe if it was just you know at the time when I tried to originally play it, it just really didn't click with me, and maybe now it will totally fine. Yeah, I'll get into it and I'll really enjoy it. But yeah, it's just, it's just not a game that I've like. It's one of the few games from the series that I still haven't beaten yet, and I just
1: oh wow. All right, I still well, really have
2: a desire to go back to it. Yeah, well, if I you if you ever make it to New Jersey. Good night everybody. Yeah. Just Liam's gone. No more. Yeah, all right.
0: Get guest card removed.
1: Yeah. am trouble with my mic. Uh um so if you ever make it to New Jersey, we could uh, beat it together in multiplayer. Uh that again sounded wrong, but I meant the game.
2: I made it too easy, that kind of thing. You were right. uh, But now you're Oh, no,
1: I realized exactly right when I said it the how it sounded. So now yeah, I. This yeah. isn't
2: even
0: the first Slime Time podcast that you've oh gone with gosh. that one.
1: <laughs> I swear it's unintentional. Uh-huh. All right. Moving it's on.
2: PG 13 hour now. Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah uh, hopefully you know and maybe it could just be like who I play it with too because the few sessions I did have for multiplayer it was with someone who was new to the series and he was definitely excited about it but it just even when playing it, I just didn't really feel super entertained like I don't even remember half the stories of that game I'll be honest with you and like the only really things I remember from 9 uh, character wise is like that you have Stella as like the oh. little fairy that's sort of your <laughs> <laughs> Stella <laughs> <laughs> but that um, you have Stella that like tags along with you. There's Aaron the innkeeper and Patty, yeah, uh, who does the uh, Patty's part planning place and stuff like that. But yeah, there's just not a whole lot I remember about that game. I do remember the soundtrack though, because I do have that on my uh, playlist for all the symphonic music and. 9 does have some pretty good music and it. I like that it kind of replicates some of what the earlier Dragon Quest games tried to do with their music a little bit more.
1: <clears> right, so <clears> um... okay,
2: i <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll stop being mean to Dragon Quest 9 for Liam's sake.
1: Well, you, 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 you redeemed yourself by saying you like the soundtrack. Yes. So uh, in honor of uh, Halloween having just passed, if you could cosplay as any one DQ character, who would it be and why?
2: Well, I would probably have to go with uh, Yangus or... Torneco, because, well, for one, I have more of the physique for those two. But... you know. People need to do that with their outfits. Yeah, but I just, I think that those would just be kind of fun outfits to do, because, like I said, Yangus has a really unique design for Toriyama stuff, because you really don't see too many characters from his work that look like Yangus. with sort of that, um, like, the, well, for one, he's got that marvelous pointy crown hat thing of his. Whatever you want to call that. Or I could go as, like, a his pirate outfit from the 3DS remake, because that was a really cool look for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tornico would be another one, just because, like, you know, you could have, like, the big bushy blue mustache, and you got that little beanie cap or whatever he wears on his head, and you got the backpack full of all sorts of traveling gear and everything. I love it, too, that in, from what little I've seen of Heroes too, that he still carries that backpack around with him, and he, like, pulls all of his weapons and stuff from it. It's hilarious.
1: <laughs> nice. But, Bonus points okay. if you go to a con dressed as Torneco and like bring weapons with you to sell to other convention goers.
2: <laughs> just bring like little plant, like ones made out of like tin foil and stuff, and be like, "Oh, look at this <laughs> little wonderful dude! Yeah. you can buy." I'll, I'll praise anything. <laughs> just people bring me items, I'll just appraise it for them for a small fee of five gold. <laughs> I have to make a bit of a profit, you know, for travel. Of expenses.
1: course, like thirty <laughs> yep. percent.
2: Uh, only other character that I would probably pick would be. Would be Hendrik from Dragon Quest Eight, because or sorry, from Dragon Quest Eleven, mainly because I love that. Just he's got that like sort of sinister look to him. When you see him in like Act One, where he's got that like that real cool black armor, he's got the slick back hair, that little goatee thing. Yeah, and he's he's pretty he's a pretty big guy too in the game. Whenever you see the cutscenes where he's standing next to people, he's a pretty imposing figure. And that oh, yeah. black armor, of his like when we first saw trailers of it, it's like oh he looks pretty cool. And he just sort of gave me a, a Magus vibe, too, from, like, Chrono Trigger with the way he looks and sort of the way he's the main, like, a villain for you to yeah. so go after for a while. And I, I also I just like, think he'd have a really cool design.
1: I like uh, how he contrasts with Silvando too, because he's, like, very kind of conservative and staunch and serious and everything, and Silvando is, like, everything the opposite of that. And just yep. the two of them interacting in a scene is, is hilarious. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. no, go, go ahead.
2: Oh, no, I was just agreeing with you about that. Yeah, there's... There's a real contrast, but it really works for them whenever they do happen to interact with each other in the game.
1: Yeah. So, how did you end up joining Dragon's Den? Like, how long have you been there? You know, do you have uh, any any memories from the time on on the early days?
2: Uh, yeah, when I actually uh, originally joined the den, it was 2011, or no, no, sorry, 2013 was when I joined. I had been visiting the site, like, I think as early as 2011, because I remember when, uh, I think it was Joker 2, when that one came out, like, I was trying to look up a list of all the monsters, and one of the first links was for the den, because there's all the monsters listed in that and, like, the, and, um, the in-game models for them and everything, kind of just to give you sort of a reference for what you're looking for, what you might be trying to go for. Mm-hmm. And that eventually led me to looking at the main site and seeing that there was all these other games that I could still look into and try and play, and then I eventually found the forums, but I didn't join the forums until I think it was July 2013, if I remember right. So I've been a part of the den for over six years now as a member. And it's it's nuts that I've been there for that long, too, and that I have like, oh, God, I don't remember what the number is. It's like over 2,800 like upvotes for stuff I post. And it's like, what are you people liking my stuff for? It's, like, <laughs> it's not that great.
0: <laughs> you know what? I think you are the most upvoted person on the den am i really it, you and eel have been
2: ahead of me for a long time oh, wow i've only looked I, I just remember at one point i got to 2000 it's like oh wow jeez. but i use the mobile site so i don't really see like that number um looking yeah on my phone I, it just like it just, it just cuts off at one point when it gets to it's like it doesn't even show my full username i just called like yangus the led, the ledge <laughs> 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 but, but um <laughs> Yeah, I've been a part of that for six years, and I, you know, I met you guys on there. I've, you know, interacted with a lot of people, and we talk about a lot of games, a lot of Dragon Quest stuff, and everything. And it was through that too that I was able to meet up with. Actually, I was able to meet up with Brian uh, just this year, finally. I since that's we uh, both
1: that's uh, Woodus from Dragon's Den.
2: Yes, sorry, Wood, yeah. I should have said that one. Uh, Woodus. I was able to finally meet up with him, and like I remember being really surprised that the guy who started the den, who has been running it was from the same state I was, because I've lived in Iowa you know, since I was born. And even though I moved away for four years, this is pretty much the state I've lived in my entire life. So when I found out that the guy who started the den was from Iowa, it's like, oh shoot, I have to go and try and meet him. And we've tried to meet up for a while. I was able to finally meet him at the Iowa State Fair this past year. And uh, we've been trying to meet up for a few years for an, a while now.
3: Hey, hey, does that mean it's time for beer, cheese curds and corn dogs again? Well, oh, speak of the devil, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> a random encounter. Oh no. <laughs> I don't know. How Probably the worst random, guy. But,
1: uh...
2: <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the party, Buddhist. Hey, glad to be on. Thanks for joining us. You. Are, are you a mage or are you an attacker? Cuz that's going to depend on your position in the party.
3: Uh, I'm the beer drinker in the back.
2: All right. All right. He's, He's a gavout. Him. Throw, him. <laughs> throw him in the back.
1: We should probably yeah. mention that that uh, the, the the four of us are in a game of Dragon Quest three that you're playing, Zachary.
2: Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> when the Switch version came out, I messaged um, Matt, uh, you three, Matt, Brian, and uh, Liam. I was like, okay, so I'm going to play Dragon Quest three on my Switch just off and on. So what do you guys want to be? And they told me what they wanted to be. So we started off as uh, I just chose hero. Just you know, gave me the name. So I just chose that. Uh, let's see. Brian started out as a warrior. Matt started out as a thief, and then Liam started out as a mage. Well, then I eventually asked him, like, okay, so I'm going to get to Dharma. And you guys are almost level 20. What do you guys all want to be? I thought for sure that Matt, aka Platy the jokester, was gonna be like, Oh make me a Gadabout, just because <laughs> <laughs> I thought for sure that was what was gonna happen. And it did not. He's like, oh yeah, make me a make me a warrior. I'm like, that is a boring answer. What is this? <laughs>
3: Actually I think I suggested to make him the Gadabout.
2: You know, oh, maybe you did. I have to look back on that message. But well, yeah. we could
1: have all of us been jerks and be like, make three gaddabouts, please.
2: Us <laughs> well, one, well, two of you wouldn't said gaddabouts. One of you said, go back, make me female, make me a bunny girl. <laughs> yeah, that would be me, Liam,
1: because <laughs> I was the I was the old man mage. So it, it just yeah. it coincides with the uh, um, the old man in Dragon Quest Three and Dharma who wants well, to I mean, be a mage I mean, I should have probably wants to be
2: I should have done that because when I was uh, replaying Final Fantasy 3 like a year ago or so, I did make you the one female character in the in the 3D remake. So, so I should have just repeated that trend. <laughs> it's only be- I only did that too, just for clarification for everybody that I kind of planned out like just from looks. Like Platty ended up, or Matt ended up being the first character lunith. I ended up as Arc just because brown hair and stuff. So when it came to the last two, it's like well. Brian seems more like Ingus, the last character, so Liam gets the girl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Liam.
1: No, not at all. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. I actually, I'm playing uh, Builders 2 as the girl, because I played Builders 1 as the guy.
2: Oh
0: nice. There you go. There you go. Um, all right,
1: but speaking of men and women... Uh, Mary Thwack Puff Puff. So we have a uh, we have a very special Dragon Quest Seven themed Mary Mary Thwack Puff Puff for you, uh, Zachary. Uh, so three Dragon Quest Seven characters. Let's go with Mary
3: <laughs>
1: of course. Uh, Pearl, which is the hero's mom, and Ira or Aisha from uh from uh DQ Seven. Is it I I yeah, Aisha. I'm not sure. That's, that's Aish, is it yeah. Aisha?
2: Aishi, that's how you
1: say your name. Is I- it really? Is it? Yeah. Do we get
2: some voice acting in the game at some point that confirms that? No, that's just how I've heard it pronounced. When I've heard okay. other people say it, is Aishi.
1: Aishi, okay, or yeah, oh, Ira, Ira Aishi. So Maribel Pearl or Aishi.
2: Well, first off, we're gonna whack Maribel. Get her out of the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, just, just get her, get her out of there.
1: Poor Maribel gets no love. Okay.
2: Um, I'll have to go with Mary, um, Ira. I I have to go with her. She's, I feel like she's a character too that doesn't get enough attention in Dragon Quest Seven. But she's such a cool like female warrior type character, and I like how in the 3DS remake they tried to liven up her party chat a bit more by showing that even though she's trying to be like sort of um, restricted, there's times where she's like, oh, you know, this would be really funny if we did that. Oh wait, no, I gotta, I gotta be quiet. Hold on. But I would have to go for Mary for her because I mean she's a I mean she's a badass warrior chick who wouldn't want that and she can do she can dance real well too I mean so there you go. (laughs) But um, I guess then Puff Puff would have to go to Pearl, and maybe afterwards you know she'll make a a mackerel sandwich or a a sardine sandwich or whatever she makes for (laughs) um, a pollock.
0: Instead of smoking a sandwich, just smoking (laughs) sandwich. Instead of a cigarette afterwards, you'll be sitting
2: there with the uh, Isn't with
3: what they, sh- sandwich there. On oh, How I Met Your Mother, is that what they called him with smoking sandwiches?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, eating a big sandwich. <laughs> yeah. That's Eat right. Big, yeah. <laughs> so he didn't have to tell his kids he was smoking weed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so, so
0: Bri- oh, I was going to say, go ahead. No, um, no, no,
1: go ahead, Good.
0: So, Brian, you, you can play along with this, too, but we're going to give uh, three other people, and I did tweet this one out earlier this week. Um, you, Liam, and I can discuss this, although uh, I think we might all kind of be in agreement here. We, we got another Mary Thwack Puff Puff from Dragon Quest VII. Um You got Monster Maeve, the, the first sub-boss of uh, Dragon Quest 7 She's got to be in her skeletal form, though. <laughs> um, you have Claymation Layla from the, <laughs> <laughs> from the lovely full-motion video that, uh, you know, got slapped in the middle of that. God knows oh, yeah. how. <laughs> and uh, then, then you got Kiefer's sister, Princess Lizette. Where would you go, Brian? Uh, I'd probably have
3: to go marry the princess, black uh, Maeve, and puff-puff Claymation. <laughs> I think that's probably
1: the way you have to go. I, yeah. I, you can't get a puff-puff of mage, You just get like, bones you on. You
3: get
2: a face. bone there. Yeah. I'm going to go against that, though, because I have a uh-huh. different answer for it. Oh, <laughs> <Go okay. ahead. laughs> Alright, we're gonna we're gonna thwack Princess Lizette first and foremost because I hate oh. the accent. I hate the accent that they gave her in the 3DS version. I don't really like it that they made her so she talks with a lisp Oh, okay. And she oh, talks yeah. like Sylvester, so it's like stuff her and "thuckatash." <laughs> <laughs> that drives me nuts. I'm just like, nope, I can't deal with it. No, you're gone. No. <laughs> um we'll just say I'll marry Maeve. Just just for just to be funny. <laughs> Because it's the evil monster one, and then we'll uh, we'll puff off claymation Layla, even though that might be a little weird. But yeah,
0: she's nice and soft. She's made out of life.
2: <laughs> already.
1: I'm sure it would just much like the cutscene. It would just be very awkward to watch.
2: Yes, it just lasts for like ten seconds, and then okay, we're done. All right. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I mean, with Maeve, if I mean just because it's marriage doesn't mean you have to do anything. <laughs> She she, 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 she just defend the front door. Down, right? She yeah. just scares all the monsters off and like, hey, back off. She had yeah. a good heart. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and she does get redeemed at the end of that story, too. And mm-hmm. I mean, for it being the first story of the game, too, it's one that even like hours later in the game, it just sticks with you, too. So, yeah, she would be the merry choice for that one. Sorry, Lizette, you're, you're, you're gone. <laughs> okay. I don't need royalty. I just get that accent away from me. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> Okay, so uh, now that we've got our, our uh, party of four heroes together tonight, uh, let's get down to the main event, talking about Dragon Quest Seven. Oh, and we are going to spoil the whole thing, uh, as it's been like three years since the 3DS and version, and and jeez, uh, uh, almost what, 20 like years. eighteen yeah, almost years, years eighteen years. Yeah, the the amount of time that it, that it's been since Dragon Dragon Warrior Seven came out is now currently legal. Mm-hmm. All right, so.
0: I'm gonna do one of my uh, patented one minute reviews of the entire game here. Um kind of run you through the story because uh if you don't know, you start off as Link. Um <laughs> because, uh, No, it's Hobo Link. It's Hobo Link. Link, get that right. Link. This it, right. is not an officially licensed Nintendo product because it was on PlayStation to begin with. So uh you start off as a hero who has an affinity for wearing a lot of green stuff and uh You're on the only island in the entire world. The entire world consists of one island, one town, one castle town, and some mysterious ruins. Um, you got Prince Kiefer as your BFF. You've got Maribel as the annoying girl from your hometown. And uh, things transpire on this island until you go exploring the ruins, which eventually leads to... Oh, hey, you can go back in time. And when you go back in time, you end up at different islands. And each island has some story that you need to go through. And when you fix whatever problem this island had in the past and come back to the present time, oh, my gosh, the island's right there.
1: <laughs>
0: and everybody else is freaked out. Like, holy crap. Yeah, there's suddenly no there's an there. island. <laughs> there was no island over there for our entire life. But now it's there. <laughs> but all the people that live there are like, we've always been here. What are you talking about? You yeah. know, um, so you do this like you know, ten, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty times, <laughs> and the game stretches <laughs> into a lot. And he, along the way, you learn that God sealed away the world, um, or these islands got good. sealed away
2: by what is it, orgamir Yeah, ogodamir He was the one that was sealing away all the different lands and countries of the world.
0: Mm-hmm. So you go through this adventure, and characters come, characters go. Um, eventually, you get to pick some different character class. There's a whole, um, it's like Dragon Quest 6 and that you eventually get to pick um, different classes and like in every Dragon Quest game there's a big bad guy at the end go beat him. This one does have a little twist at the end where you uh seemingly beat him, hey, everything's good, the world's saved, all right. Hey, I'm working for God now. I brought God back into the picture. Well, after a while I come to realize that oops, that guy that you thought was God wasn't really God. You just <laughs> you, you brought back the bad guy. You done
2: good do, son. You done yep. do.
0: <laughs> but like again in all dragon quest games you, you you go on some more adventures you solve some more problems and in the end you uh save the world so it, it's got it, it, the overarching story is pretty decent but uh, personally i thought all the little vignettes were each island was like a little two to three hour video game in itself Absolutely, and that, that was definitely i think for people that I, I think that's actually something that both people who love the game and don't love the game? Point to yeah. I, I've heard it both ways. Like, oh, I love the game. There's so many little vignettes. There's like 20 stories going on here, not just one. And then you hear people like, oh my god, that game took 100 hours to beat because there was 20 freaking stories going on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's definitely so, a divisive game amongst fans and it people it in general. Yeah.
2: It
0: is. Uh, we we were talking last or a couple times ago with um Pendy and we said you know it'd be hard to find a fan that isn't a big fan of the. Dragon Quest Five story, you know, uh, say what you want about Dragon Quest Five. Vast majority of fans will put that up there, and definitely the upper echelon of Dragon Quest games, and point to the story as being one of the best stories. Dragon Quest Seven,
2: you're gonna find it definitely more polarizing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, six and seven, I think, are two of the most polarizing games in the series for sure. Just from everything I've seen, because I they kind of go with opposites too. Where six is more focused on like the big, the two big worlds you can go through and explore at one. Eventually, when you get to that point of the game, but then with seven, it's a little more straightforward. But it, there's a lot more text to get through, and a lot more stories. <laughs> yeah, and saying a lot is an understatement too for those who haven't played that game. That's you're going to be reading several stories and several, no, several uh, long novels by the time you get done with that game.
0: And I know Brian is uh, always putting these podcasts together for YouTube videos, so. Ryan, I'll give you the hint what image you need to put in right now. Yeah, yeah, I I know (laughs) which one you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah, there's pictures um, from the translators or the original um, people that wrote the script. There's a picture of a bookcase somewhere in Japan. And it's one of those six foot tall, six shelves bookcases. And it is just filled with three ring binders. And it talks about like, hey, here's the entirety of the, uh, what is it? The the script for the game.
1: (laughs) Yeah, with all the party chat and everything. Yep.
0: Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. So lots to lots to read in that game.
1: And that was just the PSX version. That, that oh yeah, wasn't that's the 3D. original. The, in in concept, there would have been more added to the 3DS version. So you would have, you know, uh, oh,
0: it's I, not less. You're right. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah.
1: The, just the, the sheer fact that we got that game. It's pretty amazing. Mm -hmm.
0: Thank you, France. (laughs) France.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that was I I thought that was interesting too that they kept addressing that it was the French fans that helped get that game. Because (laughs) I think I think they mentioned that almost every single time that they talked about Dragon Quest Seven before it came over to the West here or like the year that it was gonna release, they kept saying, like, Oh yeah, it was the French fans. You know, it was really them that did the push. They really did the push. That's all the French people. I swear, at one point, they, like, have a letter. They're like, see the letter? In mm-hmm. one of the
0: press conferences, or something, someone's like, look right here. We have a letter from a French fan. They want it.
2: When I was looking up commercials for that uh, Dragon uh, Quest 7, too, I was trying to find the PS1 commercial. Because a, a topic had come up at one point in our in our conversation with the four of us elsewhere where, like, I think it was Liam shared the Japanese commercial for the 3DS one and they all speak in Spanish, even though the text <laughs> isn't like Japanese and stuff. I yeah. was trying to find the original PS1 commercial because there is a commercial for it where they all speak in English. All the characters speak English. Like Maribel's at one point yells like, these look better than you do, old man. And key, and the guy playing Kiefer is like, oh, but I have to see you know, what's out there in the world. Like he's supposed to be talking to his dad. Oh, that's but cool. I couldn't find it. But I did find a commercial for... It was a French commercial, actually, for the 3DS version. And it's like, okay, well, it's definitely the French then. Because they made them their own special commercial for it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Viva la France, indeed.
0: Hmm. <laughs> Alright, so let's go around. And uh, just, what do you remember about the cast? Either the hero or the other members. Because we've got Maribel, which is the uh, hometown... Uh, <laughs> i was trying to think of a way to put it she's the girl from your home town, period okay yeah. then there's keeper the uh local prince you've got a uh, Gabo or Ruff in the new translation he was a wolf that you end up uh meeting up with at one point that gets stuck in human form and throughout the game becomes more and more human uh you end up meeting with melvin who's like the legendary hero of god um he's about as old as god in the game <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh then the um lady we talked about earlier uh aria and uh i can't is that her? that's her older
2: old name yeah ira is right her old name and then aishi is her new name for the 3ds mm-hmm. translation so uh
0: brian we'll start with you because you haven't had a chance much tonight but uh what do you remember about that cast
3: Well, I sure don't remember Maribel as bad as everybody else, so. (laughs) That's all right, that's all right. (laughs) But you've got to understand, in my family, if if you're not given grief, you're not liked. So, you know, that was kind of the, I don't know, almost the elementary, you know, if you like somebody, you pick on them kind of mentality the way I took her. So I didn't mind her. I know she wasn't my first boot when you can drop a party member further on, but uh, I really liked uh, Gabbo Ruff. He yeah. was uh he was an interesting character and he was always fun with his dialogue. He was kind of your comic relief character and I always kinda of gravitate towards them. Um, Melvin is always makes me chuckle because I don't know if this was in other regions of the world, but where I grew up to take a Melvin meant to take a dump. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh face, that's what popped into my mind no matter oh, what. Really? So past that so i've never i've never heard
1: that but i the my the term that i know is from south park is uh when butters is first introduced oh yeah he's 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 part of the melvins which are like the nerds okay the dorky kids that nobody wants to hang out with like they're socially awkward and everything so when this character melvin shows up i was like oh he's total melvin
2: (laughs) well you know he does start with underpants dance too as one of his abilities melvin does start with <laughs> underpants dance if you look at his ability set he does oh wow that. so there we go he is melvin
3: <laughs> huh. he predates yangus for the underpants den <laughs> well was that in the psx or just in the re-release
2: i know it's in the 3ds version oh, because I, I just sure. happen to see like a little I, I just happened to come across that cut scene where he first joins the party and i think it's someone who's actually on the den that was like on their youtube channel too he was showing it off because he showed, like, what his spells he starts with and abilities, and one of them is Underpants Dance. Nice. I don't remember if it's in the PS1 version, though. I'd have to check that one.
1: So what do you think about the overarching story of the game? Starting off with me again?
2: Wait, wait are we going to talk,
1: talk about but... the characters, or are we all going to just... I was going to say, yeah, we got to get more than Brian just as... Oh, all right, all right, <laughs> sorry. All right, Brian,
2: said his piece, all right, there we
1: go. <laughs> and pause for Brian editing, and
2: okay, let's go. <laughs> Zachary. Three, two, one, go. Yeah, Zachary. All <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, well, I really like the cast of Seven, and in terms of like um, art design for him, I think it's one of my favorite casts of the series, because everyone's got a real simple design, but it really works for him, because everybody has a more unique look to them. So I really like he- the hero of Seven. He's probably one of my favorite hero designs from the series, along with uh, Force Hero, uh, Solo, mm-hmm. and Sophia, <laughs> mainly because... Like my two favorite colors are green and purple, so I immediately like oh a green character. Here, there we go. But it's like what you guys are saying. He has that Link look to him. I remember even as a kid, like looking in the back of the Dragon Warrior Monsters Two guidebook. I had it had the uh, little article where it's like hey, there's this uh, magazine that you can also get for Dragon Quest or for Dragon Warrior Seven on the PS on the PS One. So these the three main character designs for um, the hero for Maribel and Kiefer. They've just stuck with me over the years, even though I didn't play the game until uh, for the first time until 2014. So seeing him look like Link was sort of a connection for that one. It's like, oh, he looks a bit like Link with that hat and stuff. But then playing the game itself, I really like um, how he he's kind of treated as like a dopey kid in the game, too, which I think is really funny. It's like, oh, yeah, this, this kid's going off into the past and trying to restore the world and everything. And everyone's just like, "Oh yeah, you're just a dopey-looking kid. You have that distant look in your eyes all the time." And it's just like, I just imagine he's like, "Well, I'm going to prove you wrong, sucker. (laughs) You won't call me Hobo Link after my adventure." (laughs) But I really like his design, and it's a really—it's one of the like simpler Dragon Quest uh, hero designs because he's not like wearing armor or anything. He just—he's just like a twelve-year-old, thirteen-year-old kid just going off with that simple. Starting outfit, and I really like that look for him. Um, and I like his backstory too, that you find out later in the game. Like he's actually uh, the son of a pirate and his lover, but he somehow got sent into the future because you know events were transpiring in the past where it's like, okay, well we kind of know that there's just going to be this hero that is going to come along and save the world eventually. So we need to try and get him saved. So mm-hmm. I don't remember the exact explanation, but somehow he gets transferred to the future before he's born. So. It's it's kind of weird to think about that when it's like that's sort of a weird point but okay. <laughs> yeah, I feel um, that that's
0: never fully really 100% fleshed out to everybody's no, satisfaction. It's I mean, really you got to kind of read behind the lines. You, you you do at one point go back and you know who
2: the guy who was your father right? And yeah, because your father is um Sharkai. Oh, yeah, Something Sharkai like and it's it's the town of oh, let me see real quick. It's the town of Buccaneer, or it used to be called... a oh, Buckingham, that's what it's called. Um, and he was, like, the pirate protector of that place, and mm-hmm. eventually events transpired. He gets locked away, and then he... I think he mentions, like, oh, I kind of see that, you know, you have similarities to me, but even the game doesn't, like, give you a moment to be... or give you that a proper connection between the hero and Sharka. It just more so alludes to, like, oh, well, you know, that guy's really the hero's dad, but eh, we're not going to talk about it anymore. Just going to allude to it. even the 3ds remake didn't really go much more into that and i figured that they would kind of delve more into that or have a moment where like shark eye maybe realizes it but then he's like oh well you know that's that's not true whatever it's just my imagination was that
1: in the japanese original
2: i i don't know i'm just going off of like what i figured they would try and change in the remake or if they added like another cutscene or something you know but um other party members i really like prince Kiefer, and he has he was definitely It was sad when he eventually, like, permanently left the game. Mm-hmm. That was a really sad moment, too. Because it's something you really didn't see in a Dragon Quest game before. I know that Prince Harry in 5 leaves you after a certain point, but he's not really with you as long as Kiefer is. Because is kind of like Yangus or Eric, where he joins oh, yeah. you, like, right at the beginning of the game, and he's with you up until... Like 15, about or 20 before... hours, maybe? Yeah, he's like with that. you yeah. for a long time. When he's such a kick-ass battler, too, to lose Yeah, him. he is. Yeah, for him that's, having as few abilities as he does, he is a really strong party member.
3: That's bef- all
1: of that happens. Before you get the class changes, though, right? Because Rough yeah, R- um, Ruff, Ruff shows up after Kiefer, I think. Yeah. yeah, what
2: what it is is um, the it's the Romer chapter right before uh, Dharma Temple slash Altrade's Abbey before yeah. that chapter of the game. Kiefer leaves right before that. You go into Dharma like it's the it's the segment right before that. So. It's unfortunate that he leaves, because it is a really sad scene. And the music for that, too, it's um the song To My Loved One from that soundtrack, and it it gets you. It really does. Like, even playing the PS1 version where, you know, it's just the simple sprites on the you know low-polygon overworld. It still really hits hard when you read that dialogue, because you can tell Kiefer wants to stay, but he, he realizes that he needs to, you know, he's finally found what he wants to do with his life, and it's really hard for him to decide to leave. Yeah. that That was a hard scene. It was one of those few scenes, too... Where it did get me kind of emotional because it's like, oh man, this is so sad,
1: isn't it? Right after that, like weird kind of claymation cutscene too. So you're like,
2: <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, I think it helps. It, it's a real mood whiplash. For sure. Yeah, well, it, it 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 helps that you're like, what the hell was that? And yeah, then he's thank, just gone. <laughs> thank God they changed that in the 3ds version. It would have been really funny though if they brought that cutscene back just for the 3ds <laughs> one. <laughs> just like random claymation. Where'd that yeah. come from? But um, he was a really good character, and if the rumors of Dragon Quest Heroes 3 are true, I hope he does come back as a playable rep. Um, Maribel, I know she's a real mixed bag of a character, and I know when I initially played the game, I wasn't a fan of her. I do like her design, I'm just not a big... My thing is, I don't really like that she insults the hero all the time. I do like when I've replayed the game, I've seen that more of a party chat Is her kind of showing concern for like what's going on in some of the towns and places you should go to. But I think she insults the hero just a little too much for me personally. But I do like that she kind of mellows out as the game goes on. And eventually she kind of, she must finally realize like, oh, maybe I should try and be a little nicer, but not it's be nice all the time.
1: Yeah. I think they actually did tone her down a little bit in the 3DS version. Yeah, um, they did, for sure. To make her a little bit more tolerable.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, Gabo, which... I don't, I don't really like his new translation name of Ruff, I'll be honest. It's just, it just sounds kind of weird to me. Gabbo at least sounds like a funny name for the car- uh, for the kid. But I like him too, kind of like what Brian was saying. He's like the funny comic relief. He's got that big old grin in his artwork and in the game and stuff. And he, He's he always, always had- hungry.
3: Yes. That was awesome.
2: <laughs> that was hilarious too. You go anywhere, there's all these serious moments going. He's just like you know, I could really use a sandwich. <laughs> 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 or it's like, oh, I wonder if there's something to eat around here. It sure smells good. <laughs> but He's I the like character to... I most identify with. <laughs> yeah. I, I do like in the 3DS version, too, how they changed it. So instead of him following around, now he actually has, like, the wolf who raised him is now the one who travels with him as well. Like, he rides on the wolf, and when he gets the class changes, like, the wolf's appearance changes as well for some of them. That's a really nice little touch. That they added. Uh, oh yeah that's
0: a good thing to bring up um like design wise between the games and we'll talk about differences more too but yeah the cast gets a, a, a lot cuter in this version
2: mm-hmm. because
0: all the different class changes change their appearance that's pretty yeah. cool yeah and there, there's a
2: lot of class changes that you can go for and everyone gets a kind of a unique look to them as well which is that's a really nice little extra touch too yeah mm-hmm. Um,
1: I like a uh, shepherd ruff.
2: <laughs> yeah, because yeah, then the wolf also gets, and he's got like these little gloves on his, or like little paw feet on yeah. his. Things looks like little hooves. <laughs> it's like they're both
1: cosplaying a sheep.
2: Yep, <laughs> I like it too. how his about one? Uh, if you do that one, the wolf gets a little red nose. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, Melvin, I do like in the 3ds version they changed his name to Sir Mervyn. I think that kind of gives that more ye old hero sort of style to him. And, well, yeah, him... and i didn't
3: <laughs> chuckle about it as much that's for sure <laughs> yeah you would look at him and
2: be like oh poop <laughs> but um i thought he was a cool character even when i played the ps1 version first because i like that it's like oh you got to revive this old hero who fought alongside with god and who tried to save the world but he got you know in pri- or not in prison but he was sent away and locked away so he could come back when the world needed him again and i think in the 3ds version i like that he kind of has that um ye old english sort of style of speaking to him kind of like how in the newer translations of dragon quest one and two how like everyone in Alfgard kind of s- will say dust thou and you know stuff like that i kind of like that he has that speech style mm-hmm. and i think he's just kind of a cool heroic character too so it can kind of show just how different the age was that he came from I also find it funny that he wears those that he wears um rubber gloves in the battle to do dishes Cause that's that's all I can think of with his old design, where he's just got these big orange rubber gloves on. <laughs> he's gonna be, he's gonna beat those monsters and get those dishes done before the night's over. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we talked about Ira before. I just I do feel like she's more, one of the more underdeveloped characters from the series, but she's got a really cool design to her. It's it's really interesting how they imply the connection between her and Kiefer since they sort of have like the same look to him. And when you take her to Estard Castle later on, she's like, oh, well, this place looks, you know, it feels familiar to me, but I've never been here before. I so definitely- I, I I do wish that they would have fleshed her out just a bit more in the 3DS version, just a little bit more. But I do like how she is presented and how she sort of has that connection with a former party member. Here. So you can kind of then relate to her a bit more so yeah overall i really love the cast of seven i think it's a really solid cast of characters i do think like i said a few of them need a little bit more development but overall it's a solid cast
3: does anybody else think that aishi from seven looks a lot like red from Eight?
0: Oh yeah absolutely that they do they've got that same coloring that
2: same kind of badass chick
3: i didn't really think about She's that until we were talking about her
2: mm-hmm. yeah they definitely look similar I remember when, because I, I played eight before I played seven, and when I went and played seven and I saw that uh, what uh, Ira's artwork looked like, I'm like, well, she looks like Red just with her hair down. It doesn't help too in the <laughs> 3ds version. They changed it so uh, Red now wears like the same sort of uh, short shorts that Ira does. So, it's, <laughs> uh, but yeah, what do you guys? What do you, uh, Matt and Liam? What do you guys think of the party?
0: I mean, I've said it many times before. Maribel's my least favorite. That that just got on my nerve way too much.
3: <laughs> Mixed bag was way nicer than Matt would ever put it.
0: Correct. No, she's she's a bag of something, but uh, <laughs> a bag of Melvin. She, she's a bag of Melvin. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a bag of Melvin. Um, I I love Kiefer. I I that always kills me when he leaves. I've played through this at least three times, and it starting the game every time. Kiefer is like the person I put in the front of the party. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I I, don't know if I've said this exactly about Dragon Quest Six, but when I get Amos, I put him in the front of the party, and Amos is my hero. I really enjoy the Dragon Quest games where your hero is a knight, where your hero looks the fantasy knight person. I think that's more of why I don't really like Dragon Quest Six because he just looks like some random punk dude with blue hair walking around like, hey. Um, and <laughs> like it, Eric? It, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Eric, I mean Eric's a great support character and I think he'll be great for like a Dragon Quest Monster game with being young, but he's not the hero for Dragon Quest Eleven for me, obviously. He's not the hero for Dragon Quest Eleven. But he's not the the hero in the numbered games. And I can see where like six, I the design kind of pulls me away from it. Um five, the story's too good to really care about that. But in this one, definitely I, I don't hate the hero's design. He is what he is he looks like what he's supposed to be just this little guy from a fishing village the only fishing village in the world he's just a fisherman's son so that's what he should look like i love that he gets the dress-ups in the 3ds because i can make him the uh hero class i can make
2: him the uh is it god hand or there's one even more powerful than that um well the top classes of dragon quest 7 at least in the new translation are gladiator um uh, what is it? it's not sage it's oracle and then there's the hero class so i think gladiator is the new name for god hand okay
0: there, there was one even before hero class though so that goes really good um but I, I really like pressing him up in night having that armor on him and from the very beginning that's what kiefer is and kiefer kiefer's the hero of my story when i play for the first 15 20 hours it's sad when he goes I, I think that's a reason talk about a more divisive game uh dragon quest monsters caravan hearts oh kiefer yes. <laughs> kiefer is the star of that one a young kiefer is in that game and i really enjoy that game um which most dragon quest fans haven't played and the ones that have put it aside after about 20 minutes because of a hunger mechanic but aside from all that <laughs> I, I do like kiefer i like um ira when she comes back uh Gabba Ruff is awesome and I, I like Melvin, Sir so Mervin. I I really think it's strong, honestly. Maribel is my weakest. I understand the hero's design; it's not my favorite design, but I understand why he is that way. It plays perfectly with the game.
1: So yeah, good cast. Liam,
0: you want to um, comment on that or yeah, move on I mean,
1: or? I I like uh, I like Kiefer. I was also bummed uh, when when he goes away. Uh, my my thoughts on that were like I when the 3ds version was coming out, I was thinking, oh man. They got to do some bonus stuff where he comes back, you know, in the post game or something like that. And then, of course, they didn't. Yeah. And <laughs> um, that I, I feel like that in a remake would be a fantastic uh, uh, bonus feature in just getting him back in the party. You know, I don't care if like the whole party is now, you know, like level 50 and he's, you know, level 10, and then you just have to catch up. Like, it, it would just be great to have that character back and and that that extra character you know in in uh, a series where you have many remakes where there there's bonus content and characters added to it i don't see why they wouldn't do something like that but yeah and overall i think my favorite character in the game is Gabo, um simply because he is my monster master when it comes to monster hearts he's the one that i'm adding all of the monster hearts too. He's he's the most beast-like. <laughs> so he's the one that it just feels natural. Like I want to master every monster class with him.
2: Yep. That is a fitting choice for that one. I did that on my first playthrough of the 3DS version. I did try, I did switch it. So the hero was the one that did the monster classes when I tried to replay it only because I like his default design. But I'm totally in agreement with you though, Liam. Like Gabo is the, like the most fitting character for monster classes, especially because he's the one character once he joins the party, he never leaves. So it's he's the best choice for it. Yeah. Uh huh.
1: And can't can't you change the names in this one? I know you can do that in six, but you can't. Uh, gabo.
2: Yeah, you God. made
1: him go. Yeah,
2: I think yeah, I did I that changed, too. Yeah, I changed it back too. Only one I left alone was Sir Mervin, just because it's like, well, that's a pretty cool name, so he,
0: yeah, you can the, say you can say. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, I believe it's in the basement of the uh, Dharma Temple. Once you open that up. Yep. Yep. The name
1: changer, the god of name changing, is down there. Nice. So, uh, so what do you think about the overarching uh, the overarching story of the game, Zachary?
2: I really like the story of Seven. I know it's you know it's just in, at the at the base of it, it's just oh you got to you know save the world you know like you do in every other Dragon Quest game, mm-hmm. but I really like how with Seven and one of the reasons why it is one of my favorite, if not my favorite Dragon Quest game, it's because of the scope of the journey where you just start off on this one island. You go into the past and you see there's this other, you know, there's other places that exist. And as you progress through the game and you save the different towns and you save the different continents and stuff, it adds to the world. And I remember playing the PS1 version first uh, back in 2014. And I, even like on the PS1, I was like, wow, this is really cool. Like the world expands as you play it. And I don't remember I really seen that in a Dragon Quest game or in most other RPGs where your world expands because of what you do as the player, not just like, oh, well, now you have this new means to travel so you can go over here. Oh, you made some progress. So here's a new area you can go. It's your actions and your heroic deeds are what's bringing the world back together. And I think that's a really cool idea for a story. And what really drives me every time I play the game because it's like, yeah, we're on this... Big adventure to save the entire world and restore it back to how it once was. And then you kind of, you learn how, um, like, as you play the game, how the world ended up in the state it did in the first place where, you know, it's Ogotemeyer or before that, it's just the Demon Lord, they call him, and how he sealed away the different continents of the world. But the only one he couldn't do that to was Estard Island, which is why it was the only one in existence in the first place. And I like how when you travel to the different towns of the world, like, you go to the past, you see there's a problem going on. Like, the first one is that all the women have been taken away by this monster that lives off in the east. And the people are trying to figure out, well, what are we going to do about that? You know, we have to destroy our homes like they tell us, or they're going to kill all of our wives and daughters. And you eventually learn that why this is happening in the first place. And once you uh, save that town, you go back to the present, you see, hey, everything's all nice and hunky-dory and they have passed down that tale of those events so for like future generations to realize like okay so it's really important that you cherish uh these people in your life that you don't think about that much or if you mm-hmm. take someone for granted i like how as you progress through the game you get to see how different stories and like these different towns have changed over the years like how the town of uh bally Malloy, which is where the volcano is how it becomes more of a tourist-trapped sort of town in the in the present day, instead of being worshipping like the volcano like they once did. Or how the kingdom of Faraday Castle, which is where the robots attack, how they dealt with the robot invasion in the past, but in the present now they're just like, well, we want to harness that power for ourselves. You know, we need to figure out why this happened in the first place, but we need to use it for our advantage so our armies can become stronger, so we can try and uh, can protect our nation. And, uh... So a lot of the individual vignettes throughout the story that you get experience are really cool. And a lot of them still stick to me, stick with me, even though I haven't replayed the game for uh, about two years now or so. A lot of that stuff has just stayed with me ever since playing the PS1 version. And I really like it, too, how when you get to the end of the game, you know, you think you beat Ogotemeyer, God supposedly comes back, but then he pulls the rug out from under you, and it's like, well, surprise, suckers, I was back the whole time. Now I'm gonna send the whole world into darkness now, I'm back at full strength. I thought that was a really cool idea. So even though the villain didn't get introduced until later on in the game, that you then got to experience like the villain actually getting to control the world, unlike some Dragon Quest games where they just are at the end of the game and it's like, Oh, hello, I'm the bad guy, now you have to beat me. <laughs> so I really like how Seven handles its plot and how you know, you get that real you get that real satisfaction of going on a quest. Yeah. Over and no, over it and over.
0: Is. Yes.
2: <laughs> yeah, Yeah. it definitely, there are some that are like, okay, this one probably could have been cut, but for the most part, like, I would say about 90 like, 80 to 90% of the stories, I really liked going to them and seeing the past and present versions of places. There are a few that I'm not a big fan of, but overall, it was, like, when I beat the game, it's like, that was a really satisfying story and experience. Mm-hmm. Hey. yeah, well.
0: With you saying that, let's kind of jump around here. We'll get more opinions on that because I I think, unless, Brian, you really want to talk about the overarching story.
3: I think he summed it up pretty well.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, We'll we'll turn it over to Brian now, though. We'll have you go first for favorite island and story and ones that could have been cut. Like, if if you can remember any of the ones that were like, oh, my God.
3: I don't know if there's any specific ones I could really say cut, maybe... I don't know, towards, I don't know, so many, maybe 10 or so in, it's like maybe could have dropped a few off just to move things a little faster towards the end, but Mm -hmm. I mean, each story was interesting in itself, it's just sometimes it felt like it drug on for a long time by the time you got near the end of the game. Mm -hmm. Going back to a little bit what uh, Zachary was saying, though, um... I like the past and present concept, but then there were also the towns that had kind of an intermediary link between areas. So you kind of got that middle-of-the-road visit, too. Yeah. It was interesting how you pulled those in.
2: One of I the remember. ones that I... Oh, go ahead.
3: Oh, I was gonna say, you continue. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, one of the ones that really... The two that I really remember the most out of them, though, are the one that have all the people's names that are spices. Like cayenne.
2: <laughs> right There it is. Oh, it was the garden one where they. Yeah. You have to avoid yeah. the rain. It yeah. Was, it, um, oh, what's that town? Well, the new one, like in the present day, it's called Wilted Heart, but I don't remember what the past name of that town is. But it's off to the west of where Wilted Heart Green is. Green Thumb Gardens. Prison. Yes. Green Thumb Gardens. That's what it is.
3: And the only reason that sticks out with me is because I've worked in the spice industry for 20 plus years. So that, <laughs> that one was always kind of funny for me. And the other one that really stuck with me was. I can't remember the pet's name in the new version. It was Chibi in the PSX version, where you get the choice of whether you kill it or not. So that's Lumen in the yeah. original. Yeah, because um, that was your uh, that was your football team.
0: Yes, Lumen's likely losers. That was one year. Yep, yep. Lumen, and, and now it's
2: uh, not again. Not again. That but was that, a great name change. That was. Yeah, that it, it was. was. But
3: that one always. I, that was one of the first times that you're that I can think of really that your choice really made a difference. You know, you can always pick no for the funny answer mm-hmm. in most scenarios, but I didn't realize until after I beat the game once and went through it again that that choice actually makes a difference mm-hmm. and a big difference in the town.
2: Yep. Yeah, I found cause... that out with the 3DS one. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have made the choice I did.
3: Yeah. Same here.
0: <laughs> yeah. Cause if you choose to kill this monster where the town folks are all scared with him, if you choose to kill him. And then you go back into the future, the town's wiped out, right? Yeah, it's permanently gone at that point. Yeah. But if you save him, he ends up saving the town later on from other things. Yep. You show him some mercy, he actually is a good monster that saves the town from what would wipe it off the map. So yeah, that is, that, that's true. That's one of the ones that uh, it actually has an effect for the rest of the game.
3: Yeah. Which there's that spot in 11, too, I didn't realize. makes a little bit of a story difference, which I won't really... The mermaid part, I know there's oh. a... Oh yeah, no. there's a difference there, and I haven't played through the opposite end of the way. that I've played it both three times. I, I, I wasn't that, that as
2: possible either. I saw, I tried the opposite when I replayed this when I was playing the Switch version. I decided once I saw what the opposite was, I'm like, hey, you know, this really isn't a, as mean as this is probably going to sound for those who played it Eleven. It's like this isn't a really satisfying way to end this story at this point. So I ended up going back and making the first choice, even though that was probably the bad way of doing it. But still, <laughs> it was um what is it it's like when you tell i I won't get into that story but basically i chose the opposite of what i did the first time that's like oh no i don't know if i should have done that Mm -hmm. so uh zachary favorite town least favorite town in seven Hmm. Well, de- one of the ones that I really enjoy and it definitely seems to be one of the more divisive ones when you talk to people about the game and seems to be sort of the point where people either continue with it or they just are like, I'm done, I'm out, is when you get to the All Trades Abbey section. Mm-hmm. I really like the story in the past of that game. I really like how it's the game even tr- like tricks you. It's like, oh, well, we finally reached All Trades Abbey. But when you go to try and get your class changed, you end up in this uh, this poor man's town where all these people that have gone to All Trades I've gotten tricked and sent into it. I don't remember the name of the town in the 3DS version, but essentially it's like right below the mountain where All Trades is, and all these people have to try and fight for survival. But the monsters are like tempting, like, oh, well. Oh, sorry, Brian, go ahead.
3: I was going to say it was the penal town in the PSX version, but yeah, I can't remember what the 3DS
2: version is now. I don't remember. Like Lost Man's Way or uh, whatever. Um, It's a town where the monsters try and trick everybody, into oh there's a way you can save yourself but you have to you know get rid of your fellow men and i really liked how with that whole story was the people sort of rising up and you have to deal with like who you can really trust and you know you got to put differences aside so you can take back the abbey and you know finally earn your right to change your party class or your your job class Mm -hmm. Um, that was one that really stood out to me like even when playing the ps1 version uh another one that I really liked was the Wetlock story which is um it's a part of the game where you go into like three different little towns and uh the first two they don't exist in the present day but the third one does in the present day and every time you go to a town they all the people just just seemingly disappear well then you find out it's this old uh troubadour or bard who's going around and basically hypnotizing people into going into this tower because he sort of knows that something bad's going to happen. And eventually you find out that the whole continent gets flooded and you team up with him. And what I like about that particular part of the game is that it alludes, like the <laughs> character doesn't get a proper name, the troubadour doesn't, but he it, it's alluded that he's a character that you met when you were in the Romer's chapter of the game, like back when Kiefer was still in the party. And it's sort of a way for him to atone for what he did in his youth. So I thought that was a really cool way to connect Two of the different uh, town stories together with the latter, the wetlock one or the wetlock continent being a really cool uh, story just by itself, too, even if you don't realize the connection there. He was the guy that uh, Kiefer stole his girl away from, right? Yes. Yep. It was him. I don't remember what his name is in the new translation, but it was him because he was like trying to be selfish as a Mm -hmm. young man to try and get Layla for himself. But, you know, once Kiefer comes along and once he realizes the error of his ways, he just disappears but then it's sort of hinted at that that's who that old man is in uh the past version of wetlock that he's trying to sort of redeem himself and make up for the error of his ways when he was a young man
0: yeah that is a cool element that when you're going back and forth in time you're not going a set number of years Mm -hmm. when you go back into the past it's not always like hey we're going 100 years into the past no you're going into a whole bunch of different time periods because you run into stuff like that like hey i saw this guy at one point and he was this age and now here we are at another location and another pedestal in the past and now
2: he's this age mm-hmm. it is cool too how I, brian mentioned it a little bit how you can see like sort of a mid mid story for some of the places like uh for that um green thumb gardens place we were talking about one of the towns once you uh, repair the bridge i think it's the l uh Ciclo town where it's like everybody keeps repeating the same time over and over again Mm-hmm. They repeat the same day over and over, sort of like a Groundhog Day. The Groundhog season. Day town. Yes, Groundhog Day town. <laughs> but um, <laughs> when you eventually are able to cross the bridge there, you actually get to see like sort of the mid-life version of uh, Green Thumb Gardens, as sort of a like, oh, what happened to these characters. It, I'll be honest; I really don't care for the, the Green Thumb Garden story that much. It's the love triangle, square, whatever you want to call it. That's not really that interesting to me. But I do like how. It shows what happened to these characters, you know, a few years after they've aged, and I don't remember what the guy's name is, who, like, is the son of the mayor of that town, but he sort of realizes that he was, you know, kind of a jerk in his youth, and that he shouldn't have been the way he was, and he eventually is like, okay, you know what, I'm gonna try and change my ways, and I'm not gonna let the same thing happen again with this lady, because I see Mm -hmm. she's trying to, you know, uh, play the puppet master in the background, so... Kind of what Brian was talking about, I think that's a really cool idea. that They do that with a few different places you can go back and see what kind of happened, but not necessarily something that you have to see in order to you know get a full experience. Okay, then... so I, I
3: just looked up that town, it's El Cicelo, C I C L O. Yeah. One of those puns I never got. That in Spanish that means the cycle.
2: Oh, okay. There we go.
0: That's the one, the girl from Green Thumb Gardens, or is it
3: oh, the gardener. Yeah, it's the one where you're stuck in the loop. Yeah, it's yeah, the one, like, the one
2: that you go back, uh, you go up north, across the bridge, you go to Green Thumb Gardens, and the two that are still in the town are the lady who used to be a maid at the mayor's house, and then it's the son of the mayor, because those were two of the four that are in this whole love square situation <laughs> going on. Because yep. mm-hmm. the guy, I don't remember what his name is, but it was uh, one of the two brothers who like attended to the gardens of the mayor. He ended up leaving, and that's where wilted heart came from. Yeah, but yeah, uh-huh. that's interesting. It's el ciclo. Yeah, because it would be el ciclo. Because when you when you say it now, now I hear it more as like a cycle. Yep. Assuming that's I'm pronouncing it right. It's kind of like how in the new translation, uh, the town where like all the people are translated into animals, it's called La Arca, or I suppose it's supposed to be the Ark or something like that. You know.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: No,
2: that would make sense. See, you, I don't, you see, I probably, you notice these Dragon Quest puns, but they don't always register with me. I don't <laughs> I don't know. And I read them, but I, they don't necessarily make me laugh or anything. <laughs> There's definitely a few
0: that go right through you like, oh, okay, that sounds like art. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> Xerox. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Liam, any that uh, were memorable one way or the other for you? I think my my the top three ones that I found memorable were the the volcano town, which is one of the first uh, islands that you unlock. Um, just that whole uh, descending, you know, rise, uh climbing up to the volcano and descending down into it uh, was just a pretty amazing experience. Uh, very early on in the game, um, uh, you mentioned before the town where everyone's dressed as animals.
2: <laughs> that uh,
1: that always reminds me of like I, I guess just replaying it on the 3DS i was like oh this is a town full of furries <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: oh boy that's um, the
2: present day version for sure that's for sure yeah <laughs> yeah.
1: And I don't, I don't mean that in a bad way. I, I think it would be interesting to have a furry on the podcast someday. I have so many questions and I would ask them in a non-patronizing way, but that's beside the point. Um, but yeah, the, the other, the other thing that I, uh, that stuck out in me for, in my mind, uh, one of my favorite islands to unlock is the, uh, the Falrod, Falrish um, area with like the, the, the robot soldiers. Oh yeah. And, and just, yeah, and, and and the fact that you get one as an NPC in your party at some point and you, you descend into that kind of valley that uh for um uh like to to that's like the dungeon is basically like descending into this valley and, and going into like this cave. Which I, I that that really just stuck out as a as a uh fun memory for me. Yeah.
3: The Faraday Castle one is pretty good.
2: I'm sorry, Brian, go ahead.
3: I say that's kind of a sad story too with the robot and the master at the end Mm -hmm. where she's still trying to revive him and thinking he's still alive and he's a skeleton and
2: yeah that's why I like how it differs between like the present like the past version of a story and the present day or the past version of a town and the present version of a town because you get such contrasting things like that or ones that have like a real emotional gut punch like that too
0: definitely Mm -hmm. any that you really didn't care for Liam Uh,
1: any islands? yeah um, well I, I would we'll just touch on this a little bit uh, before but I think after a while just the repetition of going to past and present for every island just sort of wear it on me a little bit mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah I think there was just a little bit too much of that and it didn't exactly pace well um, for me anyway mm-hmm. um, overall it's amazing to have this much content but then to go in to solve a puzzle on an island and then have to go and like, go do like past present to see what changed it. Uh, um, I liked the way they did it a little bit more in, in six where it was an overlapping world. I thought it just paced a little bit better in six. I know Platy, you're not going to agree with that, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know how you can pace six when you don't know where the hell you're going. <laughs>
0: that's like, that's like saying an open world game has great pacing
1: yeah right (laughs) well it's a little bit more nonlinear, but uh but in terms of like the what i mean is like the exploration of it Mm -hmm. you know in, in the in the mechanic there is is dream world versus real world um and solving a problem that then opens up from the dream into reality um so it's kind of a similar mechanic in a certain way
0: well you guys have listed a lot of mine i'll just throw a another positive another negative in there um one of my f- favorite ones. I-, I think the new one. It's called Grondel. It's the one at the base of the World Tree where yep. someone has poisoned the well. And doesn't everybody tell you they're
1: the Demon Lord? There? <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> yeah, like uh, every
0: anyone like single the NPC. In... <laughs> they all. We are all that. Negan. Yep, they all believe that they're the Demon Lord, and it's it, 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 as you were talking, um, Zachary, about like the, the Dragon Quest Eleven thing that you can put on where everybody just lies to you every now and then. It it's almost like an early occurrence of that where everybody totally believes that they're the greatest evil and don't talk to me, man. I'll kill you. I'm I'm this guy.
2: <laughs> it <is. It's laughs> and then
0: funny. uh and I, I it was one of the last ones that man, especially in the PlayStation version, it got on my nerves. It was one where you had the two countries at war and you end up eventually with the uh the spell, the uh magic burst spell at the end of it or whatever.
2: Oh, yeah. um,
0: My God, you had to travel by foot, back and forth, bringing messages to these two countries, back and forth.
2: Oh, my God. It was so much walking. It's a good thing that one of those countries doesn't exist in the present-day version of that island, then. (laughs) Well, at least
0: in the present-day version, you could zoom around because of the past. You can't. That's something that, a gameplay thing, because you're going into the past and all these different pasts. So, yeah, the zoom spell
2: doesn't work when you're... uh, Walking around in the past yeah that's um, in the 3ds version uh, well at least the one of the, the town that stays on the map it's uh, the town of Hubble well mm-hmm. like, I, think, I think what that's it is it. is like like you said like they're trying to make like a powerful spell mm-hmm. and the prince of the nation becomes like obsessed with the power and he becomes evil or like a demon or something like that because he wants mm-hmm. to de- destroy the other nation but yeah it was definitely annoying with the running back and forth on that one yeah
0: and I mean in the 3ds at least you can avoid you can see the monsters yeah. on the field. Oh, That's, right. uh, um, but in the original you're just having random encounters and you're like oh my god i gotta go to this town and then go back and then go back and then go back <laughs> <laughs> it, it it definitely wore on things
2: i can agree with you on that one i i did like hubble for sort of like i didn't like the back and forth part i did like that story but i can agree with you on the back and forth one on another town um and it's the really one of the uh, I mentioned Green Thumbs is one of the ones I didn't like, but the other one that I really do not like from the game at all is the Town of Providence, as it's called in the 3DS version, because that one is one you have to go up and down this mountain like three or four times. You have oh, to, like you start man. in the town, and the people are... like Some of them are transformed, or they're cursed, and there's monsters running around. I don't remember what the past version of the story is too well, but it's one of the ones where... You have to go up to the top of the mountain to talk to the priest that's up there, because supposedly he can stop the monsters. Well, you go up and talk to him; he's not there. You go back down to the town; you get something else. You have to go back up the mountain. Well, now he's magically there. Then you have to go back down the mountain. Oh, there's monsters now. You have to go back up the mountain. It's just back and forth. It drives <laughs> me nuts. I'm like you with the with the the hubble town thing. I just did not like that. And honestly, I it, every time I replay the game, it's like, oh, I gotta go play that story. All right. So since we
0: talked, I, I, I mentioned it off the top of my head here, talking about the uh, walking back and forth, and with the enemies on the world map and or visible enemies compared to non-visible enemies. Um, what other changes did any of you like, dislike? Because I think we've all played both versions, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yep. All right. So Zachary, we'll start with you. What uh, what
2: changes were made for the better, and he made for the worse that you see? Well, I'm going to start with the worst. I'm going to just flat out say it. I think that, they, that they, the fact they simplified the beginning of the game in the 3DS version, that was just really dumb. That They made that so, so simple just to get those puzzles out of the way. I really liked how in the PS1 version that they had that interesting puzzle mechanic and you had this big temple you would go through solving these different little puzzles because it kept me intrigued because it was something I hadn't seen in a Dragon Quest game before. So playing the 3DS version and like even when I played the Japanese version, uh, first which is actually why i imported a 3ds and a japanese 3ds in the first place to play that version of the or to play that game because i didn't think we were gonna get it <laughs> but um i did not like that they simplified that and it's just like you go into these four little underground places you push two buttons oh look you get the item to progress that that was a really dumb change i didn't like that they simplified that um another thing i do like that they made it so monsters are on the overworld and in dungeons and stuff so you can see them and run into them. I think the problem, though, is that with Dragon Quest 7, and I noticed this more when I replayed the 3DS version, some of the dungeon designs are a little more hallway-based, so there's not a whole <laughs> lot of room to maneuver around monsters. And some monsters are big. Like, you can't really get around them unless they happen to clip into the wall a bit. Or if their model just gets out just the right way so then you can sneak past them. That's, that's one of my only beeps because I felt like too many times when I was, uh, and especially in the beginning parts of the game, that you get into too many encounters and it's just like okay this is you know this, I mean the battles are easy but it's like okay let's just can we, can we, can you monsters just like disappear for a little bit so i can speed things along here. <sighs> True, i a- know
0: that was something that was better in 8. Yeah 3DS, for sure the 3DS remake of 8 everything was more wide open. Yeah. Maybe because think, it was designed as a 3D game from the very beginning, but yeah, having I, those visible monsters—you could move around them.
2: Yeah, I think that's definitely just the sign of that one because you know it started out as a PS1 game and it was random encounters. So you know, mm-hmm. if the hallways were a little skinnier, it didn't really matter too much because you you know you go a little bit and then oh battle. But I feel like in the 3DS version for a while until maybe you get like some of the stronger job classes later on so you can one-shot encounters mm-hmm. that you run into a few too many battles for a while so and I, I remember when playing the 3ds version since i was seeing how many monsters were around i purposely just kept around like boomerangs and whips and stuff so i could just hit multiple enemies at once so i could just be like i can't get out of the way when battles started getting a little too tedious mm-hmm. it's great for grinding job class levels i'll be I mean, I'll give it credit for that, but it's—I just think in, in dungeons they should have lightened up a little bit, or maybe made monster models just like a teeny bit smaller so you could sneak around them. Fair enough. Anything else? Um, jumps, jumps out really big. I do like, uh, for a more positive change, I do like that um, they added in some new monsters, like with the downloadable tablets. I think that's a cool idea for Street Pass, even though Street Pass isn't as, wasn't as big here in the U.S. as it is over in Japan. But I do like that you can like create your own tablets with monsters and share them around, and I do wish the immigrant town had a bit more uh, freedom to customize it, like, depending on who you uh, recruit, but I still like how they changed how the mechanic works, and how you can use those dungeon tablets to do some easy job class grinding if you make it all weak monsters, or you can make something just totally evil, and put like, end game monsters, or some of the DLC-only monsters as the only things you run into, so all the players are like, why? Why did they make this? This is evil! And, um... One of the other changes that I do like, uh, like we talked about before, was how all the job classes have unique costume designs and how everybody has like their own subtle little touch. Like if you make them the I think it's what it was called the teen idol class in the PS1 version Uh, in the 3DS version, like the three male characters, uh, the hero, Gabo and uh, Sir Mervyn, they all get like a tux and a top hat, like a silk top hat and everything. But they're all different colors. Like the heroes is more of a whitish one. Gabo gets a black one. I think Sir Mervin's is more of a grayish colored one. And then the two girls, they get more of like, a, like an idol or like a, oh, I guess you would call it like a teen heartthrob sort of costume. And they get a little top hat and like a little frilly dress and everything. But they're different colors and they have little different design touches to them. So I think that's a really cool change, how they made it more visually uh, pleasing to the eye for all the different job classes, instead of having everybody be the default appearance throughout the entire game, like in the PS1 version. Mm-hmm.
0: Liam, anything that really stood out to you, good or uh, bad?
1: I think I think that it, it definitely, I, I would have to disagree with Zachary. I think that it paced a little bit better <clears throat> in the beginning. Um, I am not a huge fan of how long that puzzle was or how long it takes to get to the first battle um so i i i like that i like the updates they did to maribel um in terms of like the the bad um there were certain things that they did change in the 3ds remake that were in the psx that i missed um one like they're mostly minor things like being able to search wall sacks um they actually took that out like you could actually go up to a wall a, a sack on a wall and search the sack and like get items out of it for some reason, they took that out. Mm-hmm. Um, they the rest uh, rest spell, which I think is an ability from the shepherd class. Um, so this this was a big one that I really missed. Um, and this was a spell that you could cast on any character that would put them to sleep. So when you walk around, you regain HP and MP with each step. Um, now, it only works on the field, so that means that random encounters are going to um, result in, in you being attacked. And then when you're attacked, that particular character, or all of your characters, if you cast it on all of them, uh, would be asleep at the beginning of the battle. Um, maybe that didn't really make a, makes as much sense in a game without random encou- encounters, but... Um, yeah, I really did miss that because that was one of those ways that you could just indefinitely have your party uh, adventure without actually needing to rest.
0: Mm-hmm. I know uh, one of the things that I missed, and I get it, it, it didn't turn out as bad as I thought it was going to be. But in the original Dragon Quest Seven, when you changed classes, you kept all the skills and all the uh, spells that you learned from any other previous class and I mean by the end of the game if you were just changing classes and doing everything you could have 60 spells and 40 different um, things 40 different skills to use if you wanted to and just have everybody excel in everything whereas in the 3DS version uh, the base level skills skills and spells base level ones from the first level of um, job changes like fighters cleric wizard the um lowest level ones you got to keep those when you changed but all the you know if you became a sage and then switched over to gladiator you lost the ability to cast all those sage spells um or if you're a gladiator and you got all these cool attacks and then move over to um sage you lost that oh champion
2: that was the one that I believe. Was it champion in this version? Yeah, I, I double-checked while you were talking and it, it, it a little while ago, and it is champion. I apologize, that, I said the wrong name for that one. That's okay, I remember that one. I really liked that one and the visuals.
0: But yeah, there were some great spells in there. And even like from champion to hero class, like something got lost. I was like, oh man, I wish I still had access to that spell or that skill or something like that. Now yeah. I get why they did it because honestly you didn't need that. I had no problem with the 3DS version going back and forth. I did love if you spent time with Monster Skills. Um, those would everybody would get those, and those chi- those you could keep. So it made the uh, maybe spending some time with that possible because I remember in my original playthrough, um, I think it was the first matching game at the first casino. You could uh, get Evil Turtle um, Hearts and. One of the lowest level spells for an evil turtle. I'd always turn everybody into an evil turtle and get the, uh,
2: <laughs> what is
0: it? I think it was Increase, the uh, one that raises your entire parties. Oh, yeah, Kabuff. Yep. Yep. And yeah, yeah. now it's Kabuff. But yeah, that would be something in probably two, three playthroughs on the PS1. I would always make sure to get a, four evil turtle shells and at one point just turn everybody into an evil turtle, go fight. 20 battles, everybody would get kabuff, increase, and then going back to what we were doing. So that was pretty cool. I did like, as Zachary mentioned, all the uh, changes to the immigrant town um, that you could do with the Wi-Fi and stuff like that, making tablets and exploring tablets, just having kind of an endless supply of little randomly generated places Um, in the original, (laughs) because in the original you had to either get random NPCs joining your town to turn your immigrant town into versions that you wanted it to be.
3: Um, yeah, you was... had to get certain mo- amounts of certain types.
2: Correct. Yeah, because yeah. it was like if you got more merchants, then it became more of a dealership town, or if you got more of like the low-life-looking characters, like the thugs with the masks on, then it became more of like a roughneck sort of town.
0: Yep. And I remember on the original PS1, I don't think it was my first playthrough. No, it was my first playthrough. First playthrough back in the day when I had tons of time to game in like 2002, 2003. Um, I made a second game and I made it all the way up to that point in there. Like it might have been 15, 20 hours on a separate memory card. Because the only way to trade would to be to have your friend's memory card and you could trade people.
1: Oh, yeah. I did
0: so I made a separate character started the game played 20 hours and then i duplicated that like 10 times on the memory card so i could then easily when i got towards the end game in my main quest if i was like oh i need 10 merchants to turn this town into the big sales town so i could buy the best things i could trade one of my people with all of those 10 copies and then i'd end up with 10 copies of the exact same merchant and i mean it so I wasted 20, 25 hours on this second copy of the game, a second save file of the game, just to do that. Where I know the 3DS, it was not anything like that. You didn't have to worry too much about that at all. So that, that was it. Those were a couple of big changes. And Liam, I do agree with you. The beginning, I think, was the first time I ever pulled out an FAQ for a Dragon Quest game of the original. Because I took one look at that puzzle and I walked around forever and I could not figure out what I was doing. I was like trying to shine lights on different parts of the painting puzzle or whatever for the original PS1. Uh, I think my time to slime was probably like four hours before I even hit a battle
2: because I was so lost. <laughs> I think it, <laughs> it took got- me about three hours on the PS1 version to get to the first battle. If I remember yeah. right? It was mm-hmm. a while. I think if they just would have introduced battles in that temple, yeah, it would have made a big difference. I, I would agree with you on that. I think they should have had, like, maybe not random encounter ones, per se, but just because you know, you're know you still early on at that point in the game before you have proper access to towns to buy stuff, but, you know, just have a few scripted battles with slimes, and, like, Keeper would be like, oh, wow, we're dealing with oh, these monsters. These are really cool. <laughs> That's interesting, though, that you guys don't like that, and I've, I've, I'd i be curious to know how many other people who've played seven like, especially the PS1 version, how many of them like it, and how many don't like that beginning i at least i found that interesting playing it the whole time i didn't like that you have to run back and forth so much from s star to the temple before you actually start doing the puzzles because you had to like try and find like the right item to actually open the door like at one point it's like a ring and the next point it's like a big crystal ball but neither one of them works you have to get like this last item that was a little unnecessary but the puzzles themselves i thought were kind of interesting how you had and like I said, it's mainly because it's something you didn't really see in a Dragon Quest game, like in other ones. And you really still haven't seen puzzles like that in a Dragon Quest game since. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why, because even though, like I said, it took me three hours or so to get to that first battle and to get into the past, it just, time kind of flew by because I just was really engrossed in doing this uh, different sort of experience with the Dragon Quest game. But I totally get, though why some people wouldn't like that or would prefer like the 3DS version as a bit more simplified uh, to get you going right away so you know you can get into the adventure a little faster.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably just like the game itself, there's a pretty split per- split
2: opinions on that one. Yep. All right anything? There's uh, one other change, just because you brought it up, Matt, that I did like about the 3DS version and it, I actually did kind of like that. It put a little more emphasis on each of the job classes being a bit more unique. And I think that just mainly kind of stems from playing stuff like Etrian Odyssey and other kind of job class RPGs where you had to try and get a balanced party out. I like that you could, you know, do all the basic classes and, you know, that kind of covers your bases. Like, even if you didn't have somebody train up for healing, you could have them just do the the priest class and, oh, they'll have full heal then. So they can, you know, do some emergency healing when necessary. Mm -hmm. But I did kind of like how then, like, if you did monster classes or got the monster hearts, you could permanently learn stuff because, let's see, I... I think it was in my 3DS one. I didn't really have um, uh, Sir Mervin do a lot of the physical classes, but eventually I got to Monster Hearts and I gave him stuff for like the Golem and for like uh, some of the robot ones. I think it was the Automaton one. And uh, mm-hmm. he was able to start getting some... Uh, abilities that he wouldn't have gotten otherwise like i think from the golem one he got like boulder toss so he could do like a free 100 damage or so to enemies and it was like oh that's you know that's great now he has that permanently but i did like how the 3ds version did make a little more emphasis on like okay so you know this class is really good at doing this so like if you get the monster masher class they're really good at doing all the breath attacks but if you swap out you're gonna have to try and do something else so if you wanted to make like say maribel was a monster masher and then you wanted to make her a sage You had to kind of plan that out then with the rest of the party. Like, okay, so if you're going to get rid of this, like, area of attack sort of character with the breath attacks, you need to figure out what you want to do then with the other two. Or you can just, you know, wing it and see what happens with your party. So just from playing some other RPGs like that, I kind of liked how there was a little more emphasis on characters... Or job classes, I mean, having more specific roles to play. Sort of made you strategize a little bit more. Or if you just wanted to overpower stuff, just make everybody a champion, everybody can use Ultimate Blade of Destruction, or whatever it's (laughs) called in the new translation, and everybody just Uh destroys bosses real fast. (laughs) See,
0: I think I remember that one, and then when I changed to Hero afterwards, I'm like, but I don't have that anymore.
2: I know. That that was good to have, so, yeah. I, I know a lot of footage I saw when before the English version came out, I saw a lot of people just most all of their characters were champions too. It's like, okay, so that must be the OP class. So you you weren't alone on that one. People must have switched and been like, oh shoot, I lost that ability. Go back.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of that uh, character class defining um, stuff, just making it uh, so that you don't just have like godlike characters, you know, a lot of that comes from nine as well. And the mechanics of, of trying to define the character classes so that you could um, have more interesting multiplayer battles and and have a reason to pick a certain class over another. Whereas in 6 and the original 7, you just had, you tried to master every as many classes, if not all of them, as you could, and then just have, like, four or, or more of the same character. Yeah. I know it's when fair. I
2: eventually got to the point where Almost everybody had stuff I wanted them to. I just had everybody stick with the hero class because you get like, I think it's like 50 plus health every turn. So, I mean, you already have all the strong stuff. Might as well give them the class that automatically heals them a bit after, after a turn. Yes, very true.
0: All right. I mean, I know we had a couple other little things we could talk about in here. Um, I think we've covered all the big stuff. Oh, I'll ask one kind of, we'll wrap these up with the last two here. Um, who did you kick out? Because at the, by the end of the game, you're allowed to you have five party members available to you. Who did you? But you could only bring four with you. Who did you kick out? And your favorite moment in the game? I think we could do that. Liam, you want to start that one
1: off? Uh, I, I think all all four of us are probably going to say Maribel. <laughs> yeah. Well, um,
2: I I did not do that my first playthrough. I oh, did not do did that one. on the PS1 version. I, and then I favorite
1: up... favorite moment kicking out Maribel.
2: <laughs> just combine the two. There you go. There you go. Okay. Well, moving right along. Zachary, <laughs> <what did> you... <laughs> um Well, um, like I just said, um, the first time I played the game, uh, just because I, you know, was going in blind, I didn't really know anything about it. Um, you know, once all trades opened up, I kind of grinded a bit with uh, the hero Maribel and, and Gabo. So I ended up. Uh, you know, Maribel ended up getting a lot of classes and a lot of abilities under her belt. Mm-hmm. So eventually when she left the party, it was like, oh, well, shoot, there goes my my main mage character. And when Ira joins, as much as I like her, and she, this luckily was improved in the 3DS version, I think. But, you know, when she joins in the PS1 version, she's a lot weaker. And it was hard for her to catch up to um, the hero Melvin and Gabo at that point. So once I eventually got to the point where I could bring Maribel back, it was just like... I had to dump off the fifth character. Mm -hmm. I just ended up going with um, Ira for that one, because it's like, well, you're the most underdeveloped with skills and abilities, and it makes more sense to bring Maribel back so she can be sort of the mage character, since that's what she's kind of built for, uh, stat-wise and everything. Mm -hmm. So I ended up getting rid of Ira. The second time, though, and it's, again, going back to what Liam said, I dump Maribel. I just am like, nope, I don't want you. I pretty much what I did on my first 3DS playthrough, I just made her a Monster Masher, Tried to have her recruit monsters and just kept her in that job class the whole time. So eventually when she got dumped out, it wasn't that big of a deal. And when she came back for the little bit of time when uh, Sir Mervyn leaves the party for a while, mm-hmm. it was just like, okay, she can, you know, she has some healing stuff. She can still try and recruit monsters. But as soon as I got back to the point where it's like, okay, you can only pick four characters. Bye, Marble. Off you go. Stay at home. Don't, care. <laughs> Don't look back. <laughs> Excellent. Any favorite moments from the game that we haven't already talked about or... Oh well, I think I've pretty much said most of mine. Mm-hmm. I think I think it should be pretty clear that seven is probably my favorite Dragon Quest game. If I if I really had to stop and think, I I probably would pick seven. And I think it's it's one of those games that it's just really like seeing it in the back of that Dragon Warrior Monsters two uh, booklet of mine from when I was a kid, and seeing that mm-hmm. artwork, it's just kind of stuck with me. And when I finally got to play the game uh, first with the little bit of the Japanese three DS one and eventually playing the PS1 version of the game about a year later, and then finally playing the 3DS version in, uh, in English in 2016. Like, every time I played that game, even when I didn't understand what was going on, it was just a really good experience with that. And probably one of those Dragon Quest games that, when I play it, or whenever I think about the series, it's one of the first games that I think of, just because it's got so many memorable moments It's got so many great characters, a lot of great stories, a fantastic soundtrack, and there's really not too many moments that i can think of i mean there's a lot i could think of for my favorite and there's really not many that i could think of as a least favorite even for some of the towns that i'm not a big fan of so it's probably going to be a bit of a cop-out but i'm just going to say the whole game really because it was just one of those dragon quest experiences and really just a video game experience too that it just really resonated with me and just hit a lot of the check marks for me for making it one of my favorite games so it's without a doubt I uh, just the whole game is a favorite of mine. I I love Dragon Quest Seven to the death. It's a great game. Nice. Ryan, what do you uh, want to end on here? I mean, as much as I don't hate
3: Maribel, I <laughs> she was the one I did boot towards the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, the others were just better choices in my opinion. Um, favorite moment of the remake was that they didn't bring the full motion videos from the PlayStation. <laughs> <with it. laughs> but Uh-oh. i do hear exactly <laughs> <laughs> the whole game is great even with my saying earlier that it does drag on i mean the game is worth its money and gold i mean there's just so much playability to it
2: mm-hmm.
3: each for every like you said way back i remember which episode you said it or if it was on the den that you said it's like a series of um quantum leap yeah that's what it reminds you of because it's you go back you fix the past and you see how it brought things forward and that's a good way to relate it in my opinion.
0: Yeah,
3: sure. was um, that that, uh, that uh,
1: full motion video, I know we talked about it a bunch of times. That was an actual claymation, right? That was just bad CGI.
2: I, yeah, think, sure. it I, I think, think it was. I think it was just really bad CGI. And it's, I can tell you, like, around that time when I played the PS1 version of the game, I had kind of been playing some other PS1 games I never got the chance to when growing up, since I grew up with an N64 and not a PS1. And playing, like, some of the Square Enix, or I guess Squaresoft as it was called then, and some other PS1 games, you know, even though it's kind of a sign of the times with how the graphics looked for some of the FMV stuff, it was still pretty good. Like, a lot of the stuff from Final Fantasy, like, I played Final Fantasy IX before I played Dragon Quest Seven. And that game had some really great-looking FM cutscenes. And then you go to Dragon Quest Seven or Dragon Warrior Seven, and it's, it's just like they just kind of slapped it in there, just like, crap, we have free disk space. Quick, throw something together. Make it as weird-looking as possible. Yeah,
0: and there was only two of them, really. I mean, you had the one at the beginning, kind of an opening yeah. movie, like a lot of games from PlayStation 1 on do. But, yeah, it was just that weird, like, one-minute little dance of Layla doing the dance, and actually, like I watched it a couple times today because it's all fifty seconds. You can find it on the den or just um, YouTube. Dragon Quest Seven FMV. And like it, like the her dad looked pretty good, but like her, she was just all round and smooth. And that's why I mentioned claymation. It just looks like it was it, they made her with a bunch of just geometric shapes, and yeah. it, it just wasn't as good. The dad had like a mustache and wrinkles on his face, and it looked okay, but she just looked very odd. And then course, there was another one later on where you throw a skull with a golden horn on it into the ocean and it turns into a monster. And I mean, it, that's such a we nobody here has mentioned it today. It, it's such a minor part of the game. And like, why the heck did you need yeah, a video? Yeah, it's like over in like
2: 30 seconds. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so just kind of like a minute and a half worth of video just randomly thrown
3: into two spots in the game.
2: Yep.
3: Just in a <laughs> weird choice. The claymation for Tornico Two looked better than oh. the CGI. Yeah, for... you know what? They
2: should have used that. They should have had that team come on and been like, "Hey, listen, we need these cutscenes. Can you guys work your magic and do that?" Because that would have been kind of cool to see that in actual claymation. I think.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I actually like the claymation from Tornico Two. Oh yeah, it's yeah. great. Yeah.
2: I love watching that. Yeah, those clay figures really catch the mood of. You know, kind of give Torneco sort of the comedic effect with how he acts and runs away from the monsters and how the monsters are designed and everything. So that would, yeah, that's it's a really great little cutscene too. It would have been cool for Dragon Warrior Seven, unlike the um, blank, like blow-up doll-looking faces of Layla and stuff. <laughs> so uh, I'll end this here with
0: uh, my choices. I the first time I played, uh, I think exactly you said it. Like Mirabel, your first playthrough. Maribel was just so overpowered by that time you'd already gone through like three four or five classes with her that when I got the ability to bring her back I definitely was like peace out Ira and bring Maribel back because there was so much invested in her but after that first playthrough I played through two and a half th- at least two and a half three more times I know she the second she has the ability to go to her home because at some point her dad falls sick and she has to stay there. Um, and I think it's that's around the time where you get, you're back to three party members and then you can bump up to four with Ira. Um, and yeah, I never, never pulled her back in. And I, I find it hilarious that there's a bug in the 3DS version. Yeah, that I if you have, I mean, yep, it's yep. it's it's a weird series of events. Probably something you wouldn't do anyway. But if you bring her back and then go to islands that she wasn't around for, for story reasons, right? It causes issues if you, yeah, a um, or something like that. Go back to
2: the
3: veil or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Uh-huh. So
2: what it was. Uh, With that cutscene, or what were you talking about? Um, So if you go back to the present day of Hubble, or like the past version of Hubble, and you for whatever reason like didn't get the upgraded version of the, like, it's called the Great Leveler spell... Mm -hmm. which is supposed to, like, get rid of all buffs and debuffs and everything for every single character, both uh, party members and monsters. It's what it is is if you take Maribel back and see that cutscene in the past with the original guy who's in charge of the temple there. For some reason, the game, I don't know if it's in the Japanese version or not, but in the English translation at least, for some reason the game bugs out and for some reason Maribel will meld with whatever character you left behind at her house and you can only have three party members from then on. Yep. (laughs) So, you know what? It, <laughs> deep down, deep down, the code of the game doesn't
1: matter.
0: <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> oh. And uh, I, I think my favorite moment, I, I, we've had a bunch of good ones, but one of my favorite things is the frickin' Lucky Panel game. Oh, my God. I have oh, spent yeah. so, many, so many hours graphing that out and drawing it. And it's just it's just a match game. What is it, like five rows by six columns? And you play match. And if you ma- make all the matches in so many turns with getting extras and losing turns, you get to keep all the stuff. And you can win some pretty decent gear early on with that. Mm-hmm. And you can win monster hearts. And like I said, I always had evil turtles from there. But oh, my gosh, those were those were one of the things where anytime I'd hit that in all my playthroughs, you could just kiss the next two, three, four hours gone.
1: <laughs> That's
0: I, what you've I been doing in the episode that. then,
3: right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> He's just been sitting there the whole time. But you haven't but, heard me. I've been matching Lucky Panel today. <laughs> no, you, you definitely got me um, turned on to that game when the 3DS version came around, because I really didn't mess with the casino in the PS1 version, but I think you told me, Matt, that like you really played the Lucky Panel game a lot. Oh, yeah. And so when it came to the 3DS version, um, I didn't mess with it in the Japanese one, but in the English version, I got to that point, and I would actually use my phone and take pictures, of like the t- ones I flip over so that way then if I didn't as long as I didn't get a match I could then be like okay so here's where this one here's this one is at let's try and go for that one yeah I did let's that try and go for that and everything My <laughs> 3ds time you had your smartphone
0: so I did that instead of mapping it out now Brian didn't one of your sons write a script for the den for
3: that yeah I was just looking at that he wrote a he's got the game maker program that we uh purchased for him because he likes coding and he wrote a java program that you can drag the items onto the map or onto the grid so you can keep track of where things are
2: mm-hmm. nice that's really that's, cool i didn't know that was on the den actually that's pretty neat that that's still live on there yes yeah okay nice
0: one of those random den trivia things that yeah
3: not even not even Zachary no so it's lucky panel app web there's a windows version of it too but the web one yeah it's a four by five grid you can drag and drop the, he's got the different casinos on there to limit it to the items for that casino, or you can mm-hmm. list the whole thing. That's pretty Interesting. cool. That's pretty neat. Alright, and
0: on that note, we're, we'll wrap this up. So, uh, you ready to do this, Liam?
1: Sure, sounds go good.
0: Through our, go through our end of episode spiel, um, cause, yeah, that's it for this episode. We want to thank Zachary, aka Yangus, the Legendary Bandit, for joining us. Thank you, Zachary. Hey, Thanks, Zachary. Thanks, hey, Thanks so much. I happy
2: to I was happy to finally be here on the podcast, too, because you guys have mentioned me in like almost every single episode. <laughs> right. I'm, like, I'm like the guy on the backstage, like, oh, you can do it. Good job.
1: <laughs> and we'd also like to thank Woodus for joining the party today. Thank you much. That's right. Thank you both. Um,
0: something that we didn't have on our podcast today is any mention of um, like a Patreon at, or any donations that we would like, because... <laughs> Liam and I, we're just longtime fans. We want to speak about the game series that we know and we love so much. If you do have some money and you feel like donating, don't give it to us. Slide on over to the Dragon's Den at wudis.com slash den and click on the button there. Support this site. He, Brian, he, Wudis, he's owned and maintained the site for over 20 years. I'm sure he <coughs> would appreciate any donation that you have. He's got tons of Amazon affiliate links there. If you want to order Dragon Quest XI for the PS4. The S version for the Switch. Dragon Quest Builders 2 we talked about tonight. There's that there. I bet you can still find affiliate links for Dragon Quest 7 3DS on Amazon. So, uh, you know, you can get him a couple pennies that way. I'm sure Amazon will gladly bestow a few cents on him
2: for those. If you don't mind me jumping in real quick, I, I do want to tell people that if you can also use that link on the Den so you can order other stuff too. And the money will go to... Uh, and Brian, and, or to Brian and to Brian because I've ordered a few other things and it's been able to support the Den that way too because he's told me like, oh yeah, I got a little bit from this purchase you did like for the headset I'm using or for a game that I ordered. So even if it's not Dragon Quest stuff, you can still help support the Den with that, web, with that uh, Amazon link. Good point.
3: Thanks for the plug. I'll give you your kickback later. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, I figured I'd let people know about that because I was happy to find that out. It's like, oh, well, you know, I can help support the den that way. <laughs>
0: yeah, you're ordering anyway. Right.
1: And if you're an advertiser and you're looking for a hip new podcast to spend lots of ad revenue on, reach out to us at slimetimepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, for example, uh, this episode is brought to you by Baked Lays Potato Chips. <laughs> Okay, that's not actually true. They're not a sponsor. I just really like them. But, you know, you you get the point. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I mean, we don't want to take money from the fans, but we're okay taking money from faceless advertising companies. Like Victoria's Secret. Victoria's Secret. You might as well be a faceless company. Nobody's looking at your model's faces. Nobody. They're looking elsewhere. Call
1: us, Victoria's Secret. We'll get you some business. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, fans should definitely save their money for more Dragon Quest games. So if you uh, uh, if you have any questions or comments for us, you can find us on Twitter at PlatyM3 or at Celestrian, or hit us up simultaneously at DQ Slime Time. Consider joining in on tons of DQ discussions at the Dragon's Den forums, one of the last remaining few uh, DQ forums still around, and find it on uh, off of the Dragon's Den main page at wudis.com slash forums.
0: Yeah, We'd like to make everyone that made this possible, like Woodus himself, for his support of the series and this podcast, and keeping the Dragon Sense lights on for decades.
1: And thanks to Amanda Laprie and the Descendants of Erdrich for allowing us to use their music for the podcast. Uh, Descendants of Erdrich is a video game tribute band from Austin, Texas. If you like what you've heard, check them out. And their most recent album, Advent, on Com or on Twitter at D of Erdrich. Or go see their band leader, Amanda Lepre, live on tour as a guitarist for Andrew W.K.
0: Of course, thanks to Dwayne Bullock, our wonderful graphic artist and Dragon Quest fan, for making the awesome artwork cover for this podcast. He was on the original iteration of the Slime Time podcast. He was on a few episodes ago. And you can check out more of his work on Instagram at Dwayne Art or his website at DwayneBullockArt.BigCartel.com.
1: And if you're looking for more DQ podcasts, check out our earlier episodes on Dragon's Den, Anchor FM, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and more. Uh, Please also check out the other Dragon Quest podcasts available like Puff Puff Hour and Dragon Quest FM. Bye, everyone.
2: Bye. Core blimey!
1: <laughs> awesome. Can we just talk about that for a second? Because we did look up. <laughs> we, did look up what, we, did, we did look up what squirrel. We did what we did look up what core blimey means, and it's actually like like the original the origin of the phrase core blimey is actually God blind me, <laughs> and it just sounds much less cool like that.
2: Actually, I could see Yengas just randomly saying that. Oh God, blind me!
1: Yeah. <laughs> god blinds me it just doesn't doesn't quite have the effect no (laughs) all right
0: something better (laughs) off not knowing
1: sorry for that tangent as we're saying goodbye but i did want to mention that that's all right okay Uh, dq slime time sliming off bye everyone